Uh, hello, good evening, everybody. Welcome to the um, Wednesday, June 22nd, 2022 meeting of the Lawrence Douglas County Metropolitan Planning Commission. Um, before we launch in, I'm going to turn it over to Becky Pepper to read um, the rules for this meeting. Thank you very much. Hello and good evening. My name is Becky Pepper, Planning Manager. Joining me here in the City Commission Room is Jeff Crick, Planning and Development Services Director, and Kyle Kobe, who'll be helping to facilitate the Zoom port video portion of the meeting. And we'll work alongside the chair to facilitate the meeting proceedings. I have a few housekeeping items for this hybrid meeting. This meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel and channel cable channel 25. Please remember to mute yourself during the meeting when you're not speaking. The chat function for this public meeting is disabled. All chats will go directly to the Zoom facilitator. Unless you are participating during the meeting, please turn your video off. This allows the active meeting participants to be seen on screen. You'll still be able to hear the meeting. And when, the, when you are participating, please turn your video on. If you have any trouble, you can send a chat to the Zoom facilitator. The city reserves the right to mute people or turn individual videos off to minimize distractions during the meeting. And with that, I'll turn it back over to the chair. Thank you, Becky. Um, just to give those in those in person and um, online who are with us an idea of sort of how the meeting is going to go. We'll get to um, the regular agenda items in a little while, but we have some housekeeping things to attend to first. We'll work through that. Um, there'll be a part um, of the meeting right before we get to the actual agenda items where there is an opportunity for general public comment. If anybody, any members of the public on the call or in person want to offer comment on anything that's not related to what the agenda items on our um, list are tonight, you'll have an opportunity there. Then once we get to the um, actual agenda items, um, there'll be a period for staff to present on an item, for the applicant to give a little presentation as well, and then for public um, who are members of the public who are here for that item to talk for three minutes. So that's kind of how it'll proceed. And so before we get there, we'll, we'll work through some of the um, housekeeping things first. Um, the first of which is to talk about electing our officers for this next year. Um, and uh, I would, uh, as the current chair, and I know we need to vote on these separately, but I'd, I'd like to um, nominate uh, the vice chair, Sharon Ashworth, to be the chair and Commissioner Gary Rexroad to serve as vice chair. Those would be my um, nominations for those positions this next year. Um, and I guess I'd open up open up the floor to anybody else who would wish to suggest otherwise. Um, and barring that, then we could have some votes. Any, any commissioners have any problems with those nominations? Nope. Point of order, uh, Mr. Chair, I guess uh, I'd like to ask, um, do, do these nominations require a second? Jeff? Jeff Craig, Planning Development Services. I would recommend a second only in the hybrid format. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, could, you, is, could you clarify, please, the hybrid format? And in, in other words, because we're in that that hybrid okay. meeting format, yeah. I'd recommend it. <laughs> uh, the hybrid nomination. <laughs> <laughs> My, I apologize for the tongue twister there. <laughs> Thank you for that, Commissioner Carter. Would you be willing to uh, second the nominations? Very enthusiastically, yes. Okay. Um, then I guess Jeff, could you read the role? And maybe we do the chair first and the vice chair second, I suppose. Commissioner Ashworth? Yes. Commissioner Barodo? Yes. Commissioner Carpenter? Yes. Commissioner Carter? Yes. Commissioner Payton? 
Yes. Commissioner Rexford? Yes. Commissioner Sinclair? Yes. Commissioner Thomas? Yes. Motion passes eight to zero. Congratulations, Chair. And then the vote on the vice chair? Commissioner Ashworth? Yes. Commissioner Barotto? Yes. Commissioner Carpenter? Yes. Commissioner Carter? Yes. Commissioner Payton? Yes. Commissioner Rexroad? Yes. Commissioner Sinclair? Yes. Commissioner Thomas? Yes. Motion passes eight to zero. Wonderful. Congratulations, Chair Ashworth and Vice Chair Rexroad. I'm going to hand the uh, oh, gavel here, which is the first time I held it tonight. I'm going to hand it to Chair Ashworth. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, so I just want to uh, take a moment um, to thank the commissioners. Thank you, Chair Sinclair. Um, and I just want to show, um, appreciate, take a moment to appreciate the members of the public who come to the City Commission meeting in person or submit written comments. Thank you for participating. I want to thank the um, planning staff right up front um, as I start for planning staff of city and county for their patience, uh, their, uh, their professionalism, and their expertise. I want to thank the fellow commissioners um, here and online for their service and commitment to the community. And I want to welcome Commissioner Baroto. Thank you. Um, our new, newest commissioner. And uh, I want to say that I'm just looking forward to my time as chair, uh, working with Vice Chair Rexroad. And I can only hope to do as well as my predecessors as I follow in their footsteps. Um, but I want to call out Commissioner Sinclair um, specifically for Basically, the humor and kindness you have shown to planning staff, uh, to the public as they come up and comment, and to fellow commissioners. It's just you are an incredibly kind and humorous person, and we've just really enjoyed you being part of the commission, and we wish you and your family well on your adventure. Thank you, madam. So, new adventure. So, Thank you. I now... Uh, have the honor of, like, I guess I'll show this in my camera. You get a, still a gavel. Wow. So, that. Still gets a gavel to take with you. Uh, one more thing to pack. Uh, and That's right. Yeah. It's a lot. As you, and also you get a certificate as well. And I'll just. Holy cow. That's gorgeous. Okay. I'm not going to unwrap this one. Okay. So it's a certificate. You'll need the bubble wrap. In right. addition to the certificate. Right. right. So uh, thank you for your leadership. Thank you very much. Thank so, you, and we're, we're all going to miss you. So I appreciate for that. your service. Thank you. Um, now I'm not one for speaking at length. So I'll ask Vice Chair Rexroad if he has any comments before we move on to tonight's agenda. I don't have much to add to that. that I plus one on everything you said and look to you. Um, uh, I'm going to miss you. Um, you've set a great example in a, in a bar. Um, for that role. So thanks for all that you've done. Very kind of you. Looking forward to uh, the year ahead. Okay, then I guess we'll get started on tonight's agenda. Chair, First up. Chair Ashworth. Yes. Um, obviously, you've all had a conversation in the commission room prior to starting this meeting, but the public at large does not know what you're referring to when you're wishing Commissioner Sinclair the best for him and his family. So <laughs> you might just kind of let us know or Commissioner Sinclair can let us know 
and let the public know what's going on. <clears throat> sure. Thank you, Commissioner Carpenter. It wasn't intentional. Uh, <clears throat> so I am in this, I'm wrapping up, I guess, my fifth year serving on the planning commission. Um, so in this finishing up the second year of my second term, um, I'm a county appointee on this commission and have, um, have been truly honored to serve in that capacity for the last five years. Um, I've been a resident of Lawrence and Douglas County since 2004 after coming down here um, following uh, getting married and have just loved this community um, and loved being a part of, of this commission. Uh, I, my, we started a family. I have a young daughter and my, my family, my wife's family live in the Milwaukee area. And, um, I accepted a job in Milwaukee a couple of weeks ago and I start in August. And so I've had to resign, um, my position, uh, sadly before the conclusion of my second term. Um, and so tonight is going to be my last meeting and it, I guess we'll be up to the uh, Board of County Commissioners to uh, find a replacement um, among the among the other empty county uh, appointee seats that we have on the commission already. So I, I truly regret that uh, the timing that it's worked out this way when we have uh, other county appointee seats to fill. Um, but uh, you know, sometimes timing on these things doesn't work out well. Um, I've I want to thank my fellow commissioners. I've learned so much from you all, and I'm sad to not be able to spend more time on the commission with uh, Commissioner Baroto. Um, but lessons for a lifetime. I've valued the uh, the working relationship I've been able to have with um, the planning staff uh, and the patience that they've shown towards <laughs> towards me um, over the last five years. Uh, it's it's really been an honor and something I will never forget. So thank you all so much. Um, but tonight will be my last meeting and it just happens to coincide with my uh, final um, meeting that I get to gavel in his chair. So. And well done for the year. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and actually a great segue into advertising that um, if the public out there is interested in becoming a planning commissioner, uh, there are applications <laughs> online. Um, so if you're interested in joining this body, please do um, check out the planning commission online and find what the application is. So. Okay, so the first uh, order of business site, um, we need to receive or amend or approve uh, the minutes um, from our last commission meeting of May 25th. Uh, do we have any comments, changes um, from the commission in regard to the minutes? And if not, if I could have a motion for approval. I'd like to move oh. to approve. Commissioner Sinclair approves. A second? A second. Commissioner Rexrode seconds. Can we have the uh, roll, Jeff? Thank you. Commissioner Ashworth? Yes. Commissioner Baroto? Yes. Commissioner Carpenter? Yes. Commissioner Carter? Yes. Commissioner Payton? Yes. Commissioner Rexrode? Yes. Commissioner Sinclair? Yes. Commissioner Thomas? Yes. Motion passes eight to zero. All right, now on to communications. Um, do we have any written communications uh, I'm sorry, committee reports. Do we have any committee reports um, from the commission? I'm seeing none. 
We'll go on to communications. Um, have we received all the written communications from the public for this meeting? Yes, they are all in your packet this evening. Okay. Any written communications from staff, planning commissioners, or other commissioners? None this evening. Um, do we need to receive any written action or any waiver request determinations made by the city engineer? Also none this evening. Okay. Do we have any disclosure of ex parte communications? Seeing none in person or online. Okay. Um, declaration of abstentions from a specific agenda item for any of the commissioners. Seeing no hands. All right. Okay, now we come to uh, the part of the meeting where there's general public comment. So this is an invitation for any member of the public online or in person to comment on a matter that is not on the agenda for this evening. So any general public comment this evening? I don't see any in the room. I do not see anything um, online for general public comment, all right? Um, so now we'll move on to our, our regular agenda. So the first two items will be taken together. Um, Mary Miller will be the planning staff presenting it. Uh, the first item um, is to consider a request to rezone approximately 0.24 acres located at 1718 Harper Street from RS10 to RS7. This is a matter that the commission will recommend um, approval or denial to the city commission. The second portion of that uh, will be to consider a preliminary plat for that same property um, with uh, for the smart density on Harper subdivision, um, approximately 0.89 acres located at 17 Harper Street. That will be a final decision, um, approval or denial by the planning commission. So we'll ask uh, Mary Miller to present the issue, please. Good evening, commissioners. I'm Mary Miller, a planner, and I'll be sharing my screen. And as you mentioned, this is a two-part application. We have the rezoning for a portion of the property from RS10 to RS7. And the intent is to provide a uniform zoning over the property uh, before it's divided. And then the preliminary plat, um, a residential subdivision proposing the division into four lots. And then there are two variances. One is from the right-of-way width requirement, and the other is from the requirement for all lots to have frontage on a street. The property is located on east side of Harper Street, south of the intersection of Harper Street and East 17th Street. And the site itself is about one acre. Uh, this would be the site for the overall preliminary plat. However, the subject of this rezoning is just the eastern portion, about a quarter of an acre. And um, the subject property is a parcel that consists of a platted lot that's zoned RS7 and then unplatted property that's zoned RS10. And the request is being made so that there can be uniform zoning. The concept plan that was provided with the rezoning application shows how the two lots that are being proposed to the east uh, would have split zoning. And this is permitted. We can have lots with split zoning, but it, it um, creates challenges when we try to compute the city and dimensional requirements. So it's uh, the proposal is to rezone this so there is a uniform RS7 zoning over the entire property. 
And this is a graphic showing the platted areas in this platted lots in this area. And you can see it, they're all platted except for the right of way for Harper Street. And then this area, which is the unplatted RS10 zoned property. I couldn't find any reason for this area. It, it almost looks like it was intended to be a street, but I don't think they would have had one so close. So it may have just been some remnant parcel that didn't get included in earlier applications. And so when we look at the zoning and land use of the area, it is all zoned RS. Uh, there is an area of RS5 to the northwest. This was rezoned and replatted recently within about a year um, to increase the density. The rest of the area is zoned RS7 with the exception of the strip that's zoned RS10. And the bottom graphic shows us the land uses in the area. It's all residential. There's a mix of housing types. You have residential detached dwellings and we also have mobile homes in the southeastern corner. So the proposed rezoning would be compatible and similar to other zonings and land uses in the area. This shows the character of the area. It is residential. And as I mentioned, there's a mobile home park to the southeast, and then there's also a cemetery to the northwest. Uh, but otherwise, it's primarily a residential area. So the rezoning would be compatible with and would maintain the character of the area. The next graphic shows the proposed development overlaying on the aerial. So we have the the seven dwellings that are being proposed, and this shows the driveways and the shared access drive, um, just generally to give you an idea of how that would fit with the area. And it does look as if it would maintain the compatibility or would be compatible with the character of the area. The staff report discusses the other review criteria and golden factors. I'm not gonna go over these now, but if you have any questions, I'd be happy to answer them. This is a pretty straightforward, simple rezoning, but these were all evaluated in the staff report. So staff's recommendation on the rezoning request is to approve the rezoning and forward it to the city commission with a recommendation for approval uh, based on the findings presented in the staff report. So then I move on to the preliminary plat portion. And again, this is nearly one acre of land. It is one parcel and it is currently developed with one residence. The plat is proposing this land division. It would divide it into four lots. All the lots would be over 9,000 square feet. The RS7 district would allow lots as small as 7,000 square feet, but with infill development, you often have to work with the property that you have. And so just the road frontage and the size of this lot would require these larger lots. There is sanitary sewer and water in the area, so these would be extended into the property to serve the lots. Within this cross-access easement and utility easement, which is proposed for the utilities and also for a shared access drive to provide access to the lots to the east. There is a cross-access easement also proposed on lot three, and this would be for a turnaround area for um, fire trucks and city trash trucks. The applicant provided a graphic with the preliminary plat showing the proposed development, and the final development may vary from this slightly. When you get to the final plat stage and you do your public improvement plans, then um, often things have to be revised and altered in order to make them work. But this should be the basic layout. The one residence on lot one would be retained. And there is a condition in the staff report that this deck to the east, which is located within the required yard, would be removed. However, the applicant indicated that if it is um, if it is in the rear yard and it's uh, they could modify it so that it would be low enough if you're below a certain height 
a deck is allowed in the, in the required yard. And they also noted that it may be that height now. So that condition should be modified to note that the deck would be removed or modified so that it does not encroach into the rear yard. It's just important that we don't plat the property and create a non-conforming structure. And so when I get to the end of the recommendation, I'll go over that revised condition again. Uh, the other three lots are proposed to be developed with two dwellings apiece. And these would be permanently affordable residences. Tenants to homeowners is the applicant or the property owner. And so they would be maintaining the property and I believe they uh, sell the individual residences. The sidewalk would be added along Harper and they are also proposing to add sidewalks on each side of the shared access drive. And the plat also shows the proposed setbacks. Uh, with this um, layout, it's contingent upon the approval of the variance, but the uh, two lots along Harper Street would have street frontage. Therefore, they would have a front and a rear setback requirement. And these, are, uh, these two lots are providing the setbacks that are required by code. They would be exceeding that setback for the center line where the cross access easement is. Uh, the cross access easement is about 35 feet wide and it would hold a 20 foot wide access drive. And they are proposing a 25 foot setback from the center line. And this would provide a separation of about 15 feet between the edge of that shared access drive and the structures on the property. And even though this is not a street, this uh, setback would maintain a bit of a streetscape, a uniform streetscape, so it would give the appearance of a street, um, of a private street, which would help maintain the character of the area. Uh, they are also proposing these two lots to the east. The only setbacks they're required to have is the five-foot side setback because there is no front or rear to these lots. However, the applicant is proposing a 30-foot setback on the east side to mimic a rear yard. And that way, this will have the same rear yard as other properties in the district and will maintain compatibility with the character of the area. And they are also proposing the 25-foot setback uh, from that center line where the cross-access easement is. And this uh, graphic just shows where the um, setbacks would exceed that required by code. And so staff does recommend approval of this preliminary plat um, with the conditions that I mentioned, and I'll uh, go over those at the very end of this presentation. There are two variances requested. One is from the right-of-way width. Harper Street is a collector street, and the code requires 80 feet of right-of-way with half of that being dedicated on each side of the center line. So 40 feet would be required on the subject property side. Um, currently, it's 60 feet with 30 feet being provided on the subject property side. And so the um, applicant is requesting to allow the right-of-way to stay at this width so they don't need to dedicate the additional 10 feet of right-of-way. So the subdivision regulations allow the planning commission to approve variances when three criteria are found to have been met. And the first of those criteria is that the strict application of the regulations would create an unnecessary hardship on the applicant. And the applicant noted that dedicating the additional 10 feet would cramp their development and their striving to provide the maximum number of residences possible on this property while also providing yards uh, to be compatible with the surrounding area. The city engineer indicated they have no plans to widen Harper Street and the additional right-of-way is not needed. Uh, therefore, the hardship to the applicant would be unnecessary. The second criteria is that the variance requested would be 
compatible with the intent of the zoning regulation or the subdivision regulations. And the regulations are intended to provide for orderly development and for the continued continuity of the transportation network. And since Harper Street is currently developed and has been developed for quite a time with the 60 foot right of way, and the city has no plans to widen it, um, approving the variance would be in compliance with the intent of the zone of subdivision regulations. And then the final criteria is that the public health, safety and welfare would be protected. And again, since there is no need for the additional right of way, it would not impact the public health, safety or welfare. <clears throat> and so staff will be recommending approval of this variance. Now, the second variance is from the requirement for each lot to have street frontage. So when they um, came to their pre-application meeting, the applicant provided two options. Um, the option in the top left corner um, would have each lot with frontage on Harper Street. Harper Street is a collector and uh, in the RS7 district, each lot is required to have 60 feet of frontage on the adjacent street. Uh, there's only about 160 feet of frontage available. So the option in the top left corner would require a variance from the subdivision standards uh, to allow the creation of lots narrower than that required by the zoning district. But this would result in three separate access points on Harper. Uh, the other one, the other option is the one that's currently before you with the one access point on Harper and the variance from the requirement to have frontage for each lot. Uh, the city engineer indicated that the three access points would not be acceptable on Harper. Harper Street is a collector, as I mentioned, and direct access for houses and residences and duplexes is um, prohibited unless there is no other option and the city engineer finds that it's safe. And the city engineer indicated that he would not accept the three access points and that they would prefer the option in the bottom right corner where it just maintains the one access point that the property currently has. So um, we look at this variance with the review criteria that I mentioned. Number one, that strict adherence to the regulations would be an unnecessary hardship to the applicant. Uh, the strict adherence would reduce the number of uh, lots and dwellings that could be developed at this infill development. As the uh, engineer would not approve the three access points, they would be limited to two lots, and these would share one access point. So it would greatly reduce the number of permanently affordable residential homes that could be created. And um, as we do have the one access point and they're having setbacks provided to create a similar appearance to other lots in the area, and the common access driveway um, has been approved by the fire department and the city trash trucks, and they've approved this turnaround as it allow the trucks to access the property and then to back up and to leave the property without having to back into Harper Street. And so the requirement to have frontage on each, for each lot to have frontage on the street would be an unnecessary hardship on the applicant. The second requirement is that the variance is uh, harmonious or, with the intent of the code. And the subdivision regulations are intended to provide, as I mentioned, an orderly um, development. They also note that they're intended to prevent um, blighted developments. And one condition that we would recommend on this variance, right now the property is owned by tenants to homeowners and the plan is for them to continue ownership and to maintain the shared access drive. But just in the event that in the future, these lots are ever sold separately, uh, a condition should be applied that a homeowners association or other entity would need to be um, developed to maintain the, that cross access drive. 
And then the third is that the public health, safety, and welfare is protected. And with the setbacks being provided and with the cross-access easement meeting fire code and being approved by the city sanitation department, um, the public health, safety, and welfare would be protected with this variance. So as noted earlier, staff does recommend approval of the rezoning request. We also recommend approval of the preliminary plat <clears throat> subject to the revised conditions. Um, one, that the residents on lot one will be modified to remove or modify the deck so it does not encroach into the required year yard prior to the recording of the final plat. And then the second condition that the plat would be revised as needed based on the municipal services and operations review of the drainage study. And that concludes my presentation. I believe the applicant is here today, but I'll be happy to answer questions if you have any for me. Thank you, Mary. Um, and uh, representing the applicant, we have Dean Grove of Grove Engineering and also Rebecca Buford is here with us from Tenants to Homeowners. <coughs> um, did one of you wanna go first? You have 10 minutes um, to response, although I cannot see the clock at this point. I guess I'll go first. Uh, commissioners, um, Dean Grove, Grove Engineering, uh, I'm not sure what to do because it's been so long since I was the first on the agenda that I'm used to waiting, but I'll give it a try. So um, I think Mary did a good job of explaining both the rezoning uh, and the planning. Um, I won't belabor some of the things she said, but I just, a couple things I thought were important. Um, one, with the lot size that we got, uh, we're quite a bit bigger than the 7,000 square feet lots, so we're not trying to you know, we have the absolute minimum and then jam uh, two units on one lot. Um, as she mentioned, the setbacks that we tried to look at the whole, the, the, the project as a whole and the rear yard setbacks, you know, we're not jamming up against a neighbor that wouldn't typically see a, a residence close. Um, the way the layout worked out that we have a cross access drive will provide everybody the the opportunity to pull out of the the project going forward so it really doesn't require anybody to have to back out onto harper street um there is a curve in the street so it is not a perfect scenario but i've done it a couple times and when you're going forward it's pretty easy to see traffic in each direction to know that it's safe to to enter the street um i think the other thing is and i've, I've submitted a a draining study uh, that will probably include a bioswale or some other system for infiltration. Um, we kind of got a few things uh, answered late, and so they're reviewing it. Um, but that the uh, if you look at the the plant document that Mary presented, uh, the green area is yard area, uh, so you can see it's almost fifty percent of the whole project. Uh, is yard area. So, you know, we're not trying to shove a lot of pavement on the project. You know, using a cross access drive is great because one drive serves everybody. So, I, I think it's a, a lovely little uh, affordable housing project. I know there's some that might not agree with that, but I look at it, I think it, I think it works out nice. I think everything kind of fell into place. I hope that uh, you think the same thing. So, I'll be happy to answer any questions, and, and if Rebecca would like to kind of chime in and add to that, um, I guess we've got a few minutes left. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Dean. And Mary did a wonderful job. I think this is the kind of thing we need when we when we look at 
we need 5,000 units of affordable housing. Many of those that are needed are for one and two person households. I just talked with the Senior Resource Center director today talking about how many seniors we have that need safe, affordable, little housing that was fully accessible. So these little units are just that and made to serve one or two person households. So there won't be lots of cars. There isn't the need for a lot of space, but we create a, a little community and we keep it permanently affordable for those needs. Um, and so this is the kind of smarter density that I appreciate that we got the ordinance to be able to do this on RS7 lots. And in this case, these lots are really 9,000 square feet. So we're not even really pushing the envelope beyond an RS5, a little house on an RS5 lot. And as you all know, you are very supportive of our RS3 lots on Beatnik Court that have a little bigger houses on them or are planned for bigger houses. So I think this is a great compromise, still single family, still community, um, but it creates a whole nother level of affordability. And right now we need to do that um, because of building cost explosion. So this is not about profit margin for me. This is truly about we can make more units with the resources that we have. So I appreciate you looking at those variances with that respect in that respect. Okay, thank you both. Um, now I invite the public to comment. Um, what we'll do is so each member of the public who would like to comment on this item gets three minutes. We're gonna go ahead and start with those, anybody in the room who would like to comment and then move to those who might have online comments. So if you'd like to comment, I invite you to just come up to the podium here and sign in uh, with your name, um, introduce yourself and you have three minutes. Anything to sign in on? <laughs> Thank you. I'm Victoria Reed. I'm a resident of the area that is in question, 1718 Harper Street. I live in that area. Many of us in the area are very concerned because this has already been rezoned on the curve of Harper Street when you saw the plat that was shown on the, the pictures. The original platting was done on the curve of Harper Street. Those lots are still vacant, thankfully, because many of us in the neighborhood feel that this is a dangerous project to have because that corner is hard to see. There are two streets that come in with Harper Street having East Glen coming in from the west and 17th, East 17th coming in from the east. And East 17th Street is an access for many people back in the subdivision that, come, that runs off of 17th Street. So there are many people that live back in that area. I have a petition here in my hand that's signed by almost 60 people in our area. And we all feel that it is just not safe to do this in that area. 
No one is against affordable housing for people that need affordable housing, but this area is already congested with a lot of traffic. And because of the two roads that come in to it, East Glen and East 17th, we felt that that area would be hard to see because if you would go over there and look right now, there is already visibility issues. And I've had several people that I've talked to when I got this petition signed state that they had had near accidents there already because of the curve of the road of Harper Street. So I respectfully submit this to the city to reconsider this, please, that this area is really just not a safe area to be building on. Thank you, Ms. Reed. Um, would we, at point of order, would we take that petition or would that be at this point? If you'd like to email it in, we can make sure to get it with the commissioners and the packet going forward. Thank you. Would anybody else like to speak on this issue? Is there a sign? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, I mistakenly said there was a sign in. So go ahead and introduce yourself, please, though, and speak into the microphone so everybody can hear. Uh, my name is William Lane, and I own property in the area. Um, I echo the comments that she made. Um, one of the things that was mentioned was it's a collector street. And if it's a collector street, you're going to be basically putting seven houses right there on the corner, which doesn't make sense. The second is um, I hear things like Habitat for Humanity, which is it's fine. Um, and But it sounds like Habitat for Humanity is going to actually own the property. So I don't know if these are going to be rentals. That wasn't mentioned. And I know the, the way that they do where the deeding and that, that sort of thing, too. But really, to me, this just seems like um, a distributed apartment complex right there in the corner where it's going to be busy. The other question is, there are two or three other properties that are down the street. So now, if it's okay for this to happen for this property, then it will be okay for it to happen to those properties. And I know from talking, I own properties, multiple properties, talking to people that own properties in those areas and are interested in them before whenever they expressed interest in doing that, the city was pretty quick to shut them down. It's like, no, you're, you're not going to be able to do that. So now you're not really going to be authorizing or approving, uh, I, don't know how you, I guess, six houses plus the one that's already there. But you're not really just approving six. You're going to be approving another 16 houses in that along that street, all dumping out on private streets. Um, and the, and that, that brings me to the other one that was mentioned, the... Um, on the back of the lot, um, it was called, it said, somebody said they thought it might have been an extension of Harper. I don't think that was it. If you look at it, it has that little L or T-shaped sort of figure. Uh, my understanding from talking to um, the city before is that was intended to be a street. So, you know, in, in other words, it could be turned into a street so that if people wanted to split the lots and have two a house in the front and house in the back, it would have access to the street. This to me just seems there's a lot of variances and a lot of other things that are put in there that should be a kind of like a warning that maybe this might not be a good idea. And again, I don't have a problem with, you know, um, housing and that, and that sort of thing is, like I said, I own properties in the area, but it's just, this to me just doesn't seem well thought out. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Lehman.
Hi, good evening. My name is Michael Allman. I live in Brook Creek neighborhood. I'm the vice president of the Neighborhood Association, and I'm speaking for the Brook Creek Neighborhood Association. We um, have addressed the affordable housing and the double density issue in our neighborhood for any number of years now. And basically speaking, I want to say that we support this project. We supported it tentatively in January when it was brought to the Affordable Housing Advisory Board, as well as when it was brought to the City Commission uh, for funding requests at that time. Um, the uh, the other concern that we had with affordability in our neighborhood was that tenants to homeowners seem to be putting all their units in our neighborhood, but they they have uh, very conscientiously pursued other locations in Lawrence now. Um, they just got approval at the city commission for Libertad Lawrence at uh, Bob Billings and the SLT for 62 units affordable housing out there. Um, we think that's a great example of how they're putting affordable housing all around the community. So this unit, this project, um, we very much appreciate that tenants to homeowners is not maximizing the density. Like Rebecca Buford pointed out, the lots are 9,000 square feet instead of the required 6,000. So um, this addresses a, one of our major concerns of the density question, that of stormwater infiltration as opposed to stormwater runoff with impervious surfaces. Uh, so this addresses the stormwater runoff question much more, uh, more effectively. Uh, we do have a concern about that private drive. Um, primarily that it limits the avail availability of parking. Uh, you might consider maybe 22 feet instead of 20, which is the width of the legacy streets in Brook Creek neighborhood. Uh, another option you might consider is 26 foot, which is what the new 19th street is being built at now. Um, that, they, that way there at least could have some parking on the property because there's no parking on the east, on the west, no, the east side of Harper Street. Um, and then one final thing I might like to add, that fire truck and garbage truck turnaround is just begging for a basketball goal. I think they need to put a basketball goal there. So thank you. Thank you, Mr. Allman. <laughs> Would anybody else who's in the room like to speak to this issue? No, well, we'll turn online and I'll look for anybody. Yes, Nicholas Ward, please. There we go, visible. Uh, Nicholas Ford here. Uh, I work with tenants to homeowners and um, I'm the person who initially noticed this property on my um, drive through the neighborhood. And I just wanted to say how excited I am to see that this is before the planning commission and to see um, our what is our original intention for how the, the smart density, which I'm also very happy to hear somebody use the term smart density instead of double density and trying to spin a negative connotation on it. Um, but the, the smart density bonus 
Um, I think this is a really intentional and considerate use of that. And we've worked with Dean Grobe and Mike Myers uh, to make sure that this is developed in a way that meets many of the concerns the neighborhood residents might have. Um, I checked out the packet that you received and saw there were a couple letters in there in addition to what was brought up tonight that expressed concerns about drainage and parking. Um, I think some of the, the parking concerns were addressed initially in uh, Dean's presentation and what Mary presented. Um, but Rita Moses, who lives in the neighborhood just a few houses away, sent in a concern about uh, runoff. And so I looked up, I hope this is okay, Rita. I looked up Rita's address and then I looked at the elevation maps on city GIS and saw um, that Rita is a, a few feet below uh, level of the cul-de-sac that runs right behind this property. But in fact, there's what would be considered a small hill in between um, the property at 1718 Harper and um, Rita's house. And so um, no runoff or anything that's not saturated into the ground from this property would ever end up um, where you're at, Rita. Um, so I hope you hear that. And um, again, I'm just, I'm very excited about this. I know there's been lots of requests for annexation that have come before you in the last year. And I, I think that um, hopefully you see this as a good answer to when we are able to find these lots that can house more than a single house. This is the answer that we're providing, this increase in density for affordable housing and certainly for affordability in the community. These houses, our target goal, um, if possible, construction costs have gone up, but if we can get right around $100,000 for purchase on these houses, that's where we're shooting at. We really wanna make sure that these, these are available for folks in the community who have um, are doing the good work in the community and who are providing services in the community, but just aren't making enough to afford the, the housing market that we're looking at right now. So thank you so much, very excited about this. And thank you, Dean, for all of your work. Thank you. Do we have anybody else online? Now you can use the raise your hand function or just wave furiously at the camera um, so I can notice you. Okay, it does not look like, so we'll end public comment at this time and ask the applicant if the applicant would like to respond to any of the concerns addressed. So Rebecca Buford or Dean Grobe. Um, I, I guess the next couple of comments of uh, with Michael's uh, question, I mean, one of the things with the cross access drive, uh, it'll have a slight curb and a sidewalk beside it. So we're really kind of given the perception of a, a wider drive without massive pavement. Um, also, you know, providing a carport and then the room within the drive. Um, we've also got the turnaround again, the, the fire department is restricting parking on some of the pavement, uh, but at least if somebody pulls up and stops a second, they're not stopping on Harper Street. You know, they're they're getting into the project and then the area allows them to have a safe access in and out. So uh, and I am very conscious of the stormwater and again the, the reduction to to have as much green space as we possibly can um, for the, the, the homeowners and Michael, I'm with you. I think that turnaround for the fire department would be a, absolutely great place for a, a basketball goal. And sometimes you don't have those areas where everybody can kind of gather and do whatever they might do. So sometimes some of those things work out to your, they cost a little money, but they also provide an amenity that 
when you have a project like this uh, that everybody can use. So um, I appreciate those comments. Does that conclude the applicant's response? All right, thank you. So we'll bring this issue back up to the commission for discussion. Who would like to get us started? Commissioner Rexrod. Thank you. I have a couple of questions um, for the applicant, I think. Um, uh, I, I'm thinking about what 10 years from now looks like. Um, and I'm trying to understand uh, the model that you have. I, th I think I've heard you say that we'd like to sell these places. Uh, you, uh, I think uh, one gentleman mentioned a target price. So is the idea that um, these uh, five additional units, six additional units will be built and sold? And if sold, what's how does tenant to homeowners or, or anyone assure or maintain that they'll stay with the person that bought them that when they're sold in the future that they'll um, end up with someone else who is in a similar situation needing or wanting affordable housing how, how do we maintain the control of that so it doesn't just become um, a collection of rental houses on a lot this is rebecca buford with tenants to homeowners and that's a great question so that is the community land trust that is a model <laughs> where we own the land underneath the house and we split title and sell the house improvements themselves so that there's a legal mechanism for us to control the resale with a 99-year ground lease on the land so that it feels just like ownership. But that 99-year ground lease allows us to control the resale price. So basically allows us to allow people to make money, but to not take all of the subsidy with them to leave some behind and recycled for the next income eligible buyer. That ground lease also means they go through us to resell so that we can bring in another income eligible buyer. So we call that stewarding those home ownership units over period of time to ensure that they are permanently affordable, not only with the original subsidy, when we say $100,000, they are going to cost us much more than that. But we will bring $50,000, $100,000 of subsidy and reduce that initial purchase price. But we don't want that buyer to take all that with them when they sell the house. We want that to stay for the next buyer in the community. So we restrict that resale price, but they get 25% of the market appreciation plus their original price. So if they came and put 10,000 down, they get that to take that 10,000 with them. They just don't get our subsidy. That go is recycled for the next buyer. We also maintain 75% of market appreciation. This allows this to be a great entry level into ownership and build some wealth. 91% of our homeowners build enough wealth to buy on the unrestricted market after they sell their first entry level home. So most of us just can't get into the entry level at an average price of 305,000 right now. But working class families can get in at 100,000 or working class individuals in these smaller houses. They can get in then they can build some equity, pay off some of their loan, and then have 15, 20, 30,000 to put down and move on to their next bigger house. 
Um, so we're creating a market with people that would normally just rent for many years because they can't get in. We're now allowing them to build wealth and move on to the unrestricted market. And we have those starter homes that will be stewarded by us permanently to have this the um, we now have 99 homes in trust and these would add seven more we will sell that current one into trust as well um, once we do a little bit of rehabbing on it thank you miss Buford. just to follow up on that um, if a home falls into disrepair um, who's responsible for that work the home buyer is, but this is also where the land trust, the community stewarding tenants to homeowners has this long-term interest in this house. So there's a lot of examples, for example, that a tree needs to be trimmed. That's a real gray area sometimes. And so sometimes tenants to homeowners will help um, in the resale process and do some of that work to make sure that uh, the lower income buyers leave with enough equity um, and we make sure the new buyer comes in and doesn't have deferred maintenance problems. We also require a maintenance fund be paid into for that property by the owner. So it's a forced savings plan, which most people's neighbors you can't guarantee would have a savings plan for maintenance. Um, but I do love to say that tenants to homeowners, because we're steward these, these long-term assets, we will help. Let's say someone just has bad luck and something weird comes up, like when the, uh, you know, some sort of sewer problem that isn't a homeowner's necessarily, we're going to help them with that. Cause that's a long-term asset in the community that's going to go to serve other first-time buyers in the program. Thank you. So that answered your questions. Okay. Commissioner Carpenter has his hand up. Let's see if I can put my hand down. <laughs> okay. I've never done that before. Um, Rebecca, I, I just want to follow up on that. Uh, thanks for explaining the land trust model. And I'd like to segue into getting your response to the comment that was made uh, by Mr. Lehman about what about other lots of the same size? Are we going to see those turned into a similar thing? And maybe you can go through um, how the city's approached the land trust model as opposed to an individual developing their land. Thank you, Commissioner Carpenter. Um, I mean, a couple of thoughts. Most of us can't control our neighbors. So when people get upset about who's moving in, we got to take a step back and say, do any of us have control of that? No. But what's exciting, if the land trust is coming in to develop brand new housing that is not deferred by any means, it's brand new, um, we also can guarantee, which no other, pro, no other owner can guarantee that their next door neighbor won't be someone from Florida that is renting that property out. So there was a concern, do they rent these? No. We ensure that they have to be owner occupied. So that is one thing about the ground lease that says, if you win the lottery the next day, you can't move out and rent it out to whoever you want. 
So there is a stipulation on that too, that we want these homes to be used for affordable housing and for owner occupancy, which I tell neighbors, you can never guarantee that your next door neighbor is going to be owner occupied and not to demonize renters in any way. And I would say tenants to homeowners tries to be a very responsible rental manager. And we would make sure that that land, you know, in this case, we will set up an internal HOA, although we own the land to make sure that all of those homeowners there are responsible for the maintenance of the entryway um, over time. But we kind of have a safety net to back that up. But as far as other lots, yeah, we have a giant 36,000 square foot lot out there. We are doing disservice to this community that needs thousands of units to meet the, the current need. And our population is growing and our costs are increasing rapidly. So for us to, to me, if I build one little house on a giant lot, that is not only not green, but really wasteful in this, in what we need right now, as far as supply at every level, but particularly at affordable levels. So I would hope we become smarter in adding infill, which is much more efficient like this. And again, we're not building an apartment complex. We're building ownership, you know, single family owner occupied housing that has a safety net that won't, you know, how many foreclosures I've had since 2005 in the community land trust? Zero. That's another benefit as a neighbor. They don't go to foreclosure because if someone is struggling and life happens, we're going to find a buyer to buy them out and not let them get mangled by the banking lender process and foreclosure process. That is a good neighborhood element that I can promise you, you won't have a foreclosure next to you. And that's not true of some of the other areas in that on, on the East side. Um, so I really think that I would love for neighbors to see this kind of development as community building, as you know, the people that buy our homes, they have jobs and they can get mortgages. We subsidize lower income, like their social workers, teachers, working class families and, and individuals, seniors that deserve quality housing. But they're not people that don't have any money. They need to get a bank loan. So again, this is that missing middle housing that Lawrence just desperately needs. And I think most people would would not be worried if they meet my 99 homeowners. There's not a single one of them that I would be concerned about living next door to. They're great community members. So we really need to think about, you know, our, our assumptions and some of our stigmas of what affordable housing means. This is workforce housing, and this is housing that we need as many more projects of as we can get. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you. Can, I, can I follow up with a question? To yes, Jeff? please. Commissioner Carpenter. Jeff, um, is this type of development available uh, under our code to any other applicant? It is available under the code to those that are doing permanently affordable housing. So if, if any public, private developer, anybody that meets the mark of a permanently affordable housing project could avail themselves of this code section. All right, thanks. 
And I just, I just have to ask this because I've not seen it called smart density until this document tonight. So where did smart density come from? Because I don't recall us talking about it with that moniker before. <clears throat> I, I think, Jim, we renamed that. And then when I could name the uh, new plat, I named it Smart Density. <laughs> oh, so that, that's the name of your plat. Okay. Yeah. All right. I got it. Because I didn't think we had a code section called Smart Density yet. But I, I have reclaimed that name. <laughs> it, it might be something that comes in the new land development code, but we'll see. <clears throat> Are there other commissioners that would like to comment? Commissioner, Commissioner Thomas, I'd, I'd like somebody from the city to speak to um, the comments that were made about the danger of coming out on that curve. And it is a blind entryway virtually from that curve. So if somebody from the city could talk about that. This is Mary Miller, planner. Um, as part of the review, I forwarded those questions to our municipal services and operations engineers and asked them if they had concerns with traffic. And they indicated they did not. They looked at the accident counts in that area and they didn't feel that adding these additional houses would increase the traffic to the point where it become more dangerous. Um, they weren't able to give me a written document of that. I think I may have an email. But, uh, that was looked into. They didn't do a traffic count, you know, how many additional how cars. There'll be one or two people living in each house. So it'll be fewer cars than if you had two larger houses, quite potentially. It's not always possible to know how many cars are going to be in each house. But um, I did ask them, and they did not have a concern that this would be a, a traffic situation. They were more concerned with putting the additional access points on Harper, so there would be additional points for those cars to be entering. But as they enter one by one, they didn't feel that that would be a concern. Other comments? Oh, Commissioner Carter. Yes, thanks. Um, I have a couple of questions. Uh, my, my first um, is on uh, re uh, um, refers to page four of the report under the drainage study um, uh, it, it says that you know the study wasn't completed in time to for the review uh, or for the uh, report to be published but that the review would be completed prior to the june planning commission meeting and staff would provide an update mary can you speak to that uh, planning mary yes i had thought that would be completed by then, but you know, everybody's workloads, they just didn't get to it. So I apologize. I should have uh, mentioned that. I forgot that I'd put that in the staff report. The assumption was that they would have it completed. They're looking it over. They haven't raised any issues yet. So I don't believe they have any concerns with it, but they're just finishing their review. Um, so thanks. Um, my, so I'm, I guess my, my concern is making a determination, making a recommendation without that um when several neighbors have complained about about drainage um i guess i would just request that assuming that report is uh completed before the the next step of this process you know that it be highlighted um so that's my my request um the other question i have and this goes back to uh commissioner Th uh, thomas's um observation and you know uh, mary your response about about visibility at this intersection there's a lot of 
um, how do you call it, low, um, low ground cover at that intersection. And I wonder, um, you know, obviously it's private property. Um, I don't know if the city has any um, influence on the, you know, property owners agreement to clear that ground cover or Ms. Buford, if that's something that you would concede to. I, I think, you know, visibility could, could be tremendously improved by just clearing out a lot of that ground cover, not clearing trees, but just that fence line. Um, and I wonder if Miss um, uh, Buford, you could respond to that. Yeah, thank you, Commissioner Carter. That's in, in planning, in, in process. Um, some of that is, you know, kind of making sure we got through this step, but that is absolutely, I guess, I don't want to develop anything dangerous. I don't want to develop anything soggy. I have no interest in either of those. So whatever information as we are developing this that makes sense, particularly with clearing out just to increase, make sure visibility is as good as it can be there. Um, I think is, I can absolutely commit to that. I mean, I, I've been in and out of that area several times as we've been stewarding the one house and looking at plans for rehabilitating that. I have not experienced, I, I mean, I guess there wasn't a moment where you, the, the entry place is far enough from the curve that if we keep, if we make sure that's very clear, I do not think it's a blind curve as someone, some have mentioned. I feel like if someone was storming up through the curve, speeding, yes, but again, that's where someone is facing forward and looking and watching before they turn out there. Um, I feel like uh, we can make sure that there's very good visibility there and can commit to that to the neighborhood for sure. Yeah, thank you. And if I might, this is Sharon Ashworth, I might ask a clarification um, from staff. I believe there is something in the land development code that does uh, require certain sight lines. Um, or properties. Correct. If there is a, an intersection, a curb cut, or an access point into a drive, there is a site triangle that has to be clear and maintained for that. And it is a part of our code and also a part of uh, municipal services and operations code. Thank you. Other comments by commissioners? Looking on screen in the room. Commissioner Sinclair. Uh, I question about the second variance and with respect to frontage can um maybe jeff or mary you might be the one what's the purpose of the frontage requirement that's in the in the code typically the frontage requirements are about um a lot having to be able to take access through a property. So you have to have frontage to a right of way to take access to it. It's kind of what it is. That way you control the ins and the outs of that. Um, very typically in commercial and industrial properties, you will see accesses that are uh, elongated or handled. As, we think of pad sites on a commercial property where you come into one and then you're driving through a series of parking lots or a, a little access drive. And so it's not uncommon to see it on commercial and industrial properties. Most people prefer when they have a, a residence to have a very clear understanding of where their access point is. So the frontage requirement is to make sure everybody knows where that access is and they have that idea of where it can be from. So it is, un, you know, in multifamily and apartment style, they may have 
combined accesses because they can get one curb cut and they don't want to have multiples across the lot so people have an ease of turning. Um, it is a little different to see it in residential properties like this, but it's not an uncommon feature. There are those throughout the community. So it it's, sounds like it's just an acknowledgement that people, homeowners or property owners would want to have the access points. It's not, it's not founded in some sort of public safety requirement, and they, that's a way of getting to that concern. It, it's really, it's, there is some public safety on that one to make sure that people have access if a fire truck or an ambulance needs to get there, they can find how to get there and then reasonably get there and not have to go through a yard or something else to get to it. And the access drive that was on the plat functions as that access and allows emergency response if need be on those. So it's, it's really kind of, if there is an emergency, they know where to go and they can get there as quick as they can. And I will uh, quote the fire chief on this one, minutes in that situation saves lives. And so to make sure they know where to go and have that access is key. Okay. And I maybe Mary, this would be a question for you. There, there are no concerns with this plat in terms of uh, emergency services, making it to the properties that wouldn't have frontage? No, there is not. Um, the addressing will be done as if they all have frontage on Harbor. And so as far as addressing it, that access drive is going to be seen as almost a, a lip on Harper Street. So it'll be easy to find each house. So all be addressed off Harper. So 911 won't have any trouble locating them. And the, the fire code official, he reviewed the drive and required the turnaround area. So they're satisfied that it'll meet their purposes. Thank you. Okay, Commissioner Carpenter. So I guess this question and conversation will go to Randy Larkin. If he'll pop up and join us. <clears throat> anyway, part of the one of the um, recommend recommendations by staff is if there's a transfer of ownership. So the property is no longer under the common ownership. They want a homeowners association or other entity. Um, we've had conversations about homeowners associations and how they can thwart other goals and plans of the city. So if we're requiring a homeowners association, which used to happen under an obsolete type of zoning for you know, land, you know, planned unit development or whatever we called it back then, we required that. Uh, can we put conditions on the scope of the homeowners association as part of our recommendations, such mm -hmm. as the homeowners association would only be for the mutual uh, maintenance of the shared drive and not go into this, you know, types of plantings you can have in your yard and all those types of things. This is Randy Larkin, Deputy City Attorney. Uh, absolutely, the Planning Commission can make those types of recommendations. It would be ultimately, you know, the, the decision, you know, why elsewhere, but those recommendations can be made. And, you know, yes. Thanks, that helps. Uh, yeah, I, I certainly hope Tenants to Home Builders is around for the 99 years, uh, but <laughs> you never know. So, you know, I, I guess one of the things we want is for this not to leave the Community Land Trust or whatever the successor organization is that would the land would roll over to. 
So I, you know, I, I would like that when we get to that recommendation, just to make sure that we limit the scope of what the organization, a successor organization, if it is not the land trust would be able to do in there. That's, and now it's just raised 20 other questions in my head, but I'll let it go right there. <clears throat> Thank you. Let's see, we have discussed traffic. We've discussed the homeowners association. We've discussed drainage. Uh, we've discussed the land trust model. Are there outstanding questions? Um, Commissioner Baroto. Yes, Commissioner Baroto here. Uh, I just had a question and it's, it's more of a question to the city itself is concerning traffic. I just want to do a quick turn to that again. Um, the way I'm looking at the map itself, um, <clears throat> the common access driveway that they're building is basically in front of, sorry here, the East uh, Glen Drive. And my question to the city in this case, it will be, is there any possibility at all to build a four-way stop on that intersection right there on Harper Street, East Glen Drive, and the common access driveway at all. And also on Harper Street, on that curve, when you're heading south, also to put some sort of warning about the stop sign to help reduce speed on that corner. Also, it will, you know, it will bring peace of mind to those who live in the area as well. Again, it's just a question. Typically, there's certain engineering warrants and requirements for signs to be installed and put up based on different levels of engineering. And unfortunately, the city engineer is not with us this evening. They can probably speak very eloquently to those that are, I will okay. flounder very badly, but I'll give it a good try here. Um, and I don't know if the warrants would register with that one, but it technically wouldn't be a four-way stop. It would be a, a three-way because you would want to make sure that the curb cut is not designed in a way someone thinks they can drive through the property to access further to the east. Okay. And so typically they will offset those so somebody won't just go to that intersection stop and continue on thinking there is a street. So there may be some design mitigation or something that the engineers need to, to look at as that part. Um, but we can definitely ask uh, the city engineer to take a look and see what is warranted or what the, the metrics are there that require and, and just have that go in and unrelated but noted to the project just in case something does rise up from it okay thank you okay um other comments i would just add that in terms of just to touch base with plan 2040 um that this project does fulfill the goals of plan 2040 in terms of infill and uh affordable housing goals that the city has um, so I just want to touch base with Plan 2040 in addition to the issues that have been brought up um, before us tonight. Now, there are a couple conditions um, is, um, on the uh, request tonight. Um, is anybody ready to make a motion for this project? It starts with a motion on the rezoning. Yes, we First will have item two, two right. items. First, the rezoning and then the plat. If we're ready for that, um, I'd uh, make a motion that we um, approve the request to rezone approximately 0.24 acres at 1718 Harper Street from RS10 to RS7. District based on the findings presented in the staff report and forward to the City Commission with a recommendation for approval. Do we have a second? 
Commissioner Carter. Yes, I any was seconding. <laughs> yes, yes, Commissioner. Yes, thank you. Um, any further discussion before we move on to the vote? Oh, Commissioner Carpenter. Sure, thank you. Just moving. a point of order. This is just the first of four required votes because we have a separate vote for each of the variances also. Uh, the, so I, so I, this is just the rezoning. So we just mentioned two, but we've got four, four, four total votes coming up here. <clears throat> just to let our new member know, so. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So for the role on the rezoning, the motion at hand. Commissioner Ashworth? Yes. Commissioner Barotto? Yes. Commissioner Carpenter? Yes. Commissioner Carter? Yes. Commissioner Payton? Yes. Commissioner Rexroad? Yes. Commissioner Sinclair? Yes. Commissioner Thomas? Yes. Motion carries eight to zero. Okay, so now we'll go move on to the preliminary plat. So let's take the variance. Uh, let me look. Uh, point of order, Madam Chair, we need to approve the variance before we, or excuse me, approve the plat and then do the variances. Approve the plat, then the variances. Thank you. <clears throat> okay, so let's go for the approving <clears throat> or not the variance. Would anybody like to make a motion for the variance? Plat. I'm sorry. The plat. The plat. <laughs> Excuse me. I make a motion for the plat. <laughs> Thank you. You're ready for it. I, I move we approve the preliminary plat PP-22-00137 for smart density on Harper subdivision. Based on the findings presented in the staff report uh, and uh, for the city commission for approval. Do we have a second? Commissioner Thomas. And Jeff, will you any discuss further discussion on the plat? Well, just maybe one point of clarification okay. that the that motion would be subject to the conditions too in the staff report, just to be clear. Commissioner Rexford. I know that language was in there, and I think since we're having those as two separate, I guess it would be subject. Oh, yeah. So the, yeah. are the conditions related to the variance? It would be conditioned upon the um, approval of the two variance requests. And there, were, I mean, there were conditions aside from the variance request. I think, right? Mary, correct me if I'm wrong here, but there are conditions that were attached to the plat and that were independent of the variance right. being heard. Right. There were two conditions, and conditions, one was conditions one and two. Mm -hmm. Right, and, and condition one was recommended to be revised so the deck could be removed or modified. So we're not requiring them to remove it if they could make it compliant. And then maybe I muddied it, but just I thought it'd be worthwhile just being clear that the motion to prove was subject to those two conditions or not. So would I modify that motion then to to be keep me straight here, if you would please um, approve the preliminary plat PP 22-00137 for smart density Harper subdivision and the two associated variances based on the findings presented in the staff report subject to the conditions listed in the report. No, no. I think because we got to do the variances separately. So pull the variance out. All right. I think I got but you. We have, but there are like two, there are two conditions, one and two, that are referenced aside. So clearly, I wasn't ready to make the motion, but I think I am. <laughs> and 
Mary I, was, I muddied the whole. You may have been. No, no, I think perfect you're right. So I, th- I, think you're, I think you're absolutely right. I think you're absolutely right. I, and Mary noted we do need to modify. They're asking to, to modify the one condition related to the deck to make sure it does. Uh, it is the deck is either removed or modified subject to that condition. So and that's so, condition of the plat. Yes. So a, a point of order uh, would Commissioner Thomas withdraw his second of the motion so that Commissioner Rexro can make an amendment to the original motion, please. I, I <laughs> that, would, that's I, correct. The uh, second needs to authorize the uh, <laughs> amendment. <Yes. clears throat> Let me try this again. Um, I uh, move we approve the preliminary plat PP 22-00137 for smart density and harbor subdivision based on the findings presented in the staff report and subject to the conditions listed in the report. Everybody's nodding okay. affirmative. Sound good. All right. Do I have a second for that motion? Commissioner Thomas. Okay. Any further discussion on the plat? All right, Jeff, can we have the roll? Commissioner Ashworth? Yes. Commissioner Barreto? Yes. Commissioner Carpenter? Yes. Commissioner Carter? Yes. Commissioner Payton? Yes. Commissioner Rexroad? Yes. Commissioner Sinclair? Yes. Commissioner Thomas? Yes. Motion passes eight to zero. Now we move on to the first of two variances. So the variance uh, requested for the right of way width. Do I have a motion for the right that particular variance? I'm looking at somebody want to try the vari- the motion for the variance for the right of way. I'm a little timid. People are trying. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not sure. I don't have language here to recite from. At least I don't believe that I do. Uh, let me check here. You might look under staff recommendation. Number two for the plat. Um, so I guess I'll just say I make a motion that we approve the variance for the change in right of way, as noted in the staff report. Is that okay? Commissioner Sinclair. Is that sufficient, Randy? This is Randy Larkin, Deputy City Attorney. Yes, that would be sufficient. Okay. Then second. Commissioner Carpenter seconds. Any further discussion? Can we have the roll, please, Jeff? Commissioner Ashworth? Yes. Commissioner Barodo? Yes. Commissioner Carpenter? Yes. Commissioner Carter? Yes. Commissioner Payton? Yes. Commissioner Rexroad? Yes. Commissioner Sinclair? Yes. Commissioner Thomas? Yes. Motion passes eight to zero. Okay, and the fourth item um, on this matter is the variance requested from the requirement to have frontage on the public street. Um, This does contain, contain a condition with it. Would anybody like to give a motion, propose a motion on that, the variance for the frontage with the condition? I guess I had a question quickly. I think Commissioner Carpenter may have, did you reference Commissioner Carpenter uh, some additional um, description of what the powers of the HOA would be or, or what it's, 
I guess, the purview of its authority. I, I can't remember if you said something about that and if you wanted to talk about those sorts of things tonight before voting on the variance. Yes, I, I think I would just suggest language that after a homeowners association and maybe in parentheses or, or homeowners association limited to maintenance of a common drive or other entities that might be successor entities to tenants to homeowners that would manage the land trust. I mean, we're talking homeowners association, I believe from what we have would only come into being if the city no longer had a land trust. So it's kind of like, it's an emergency backup if everything else falls apart. So I, it might even be better to put it after, <laughs> you know, successor agency uh, to tenant to the current owner, or if needed, uh, homeowners association limited in authority uh, for the common maintenance of the shared access drive. Can something I like that. Now I'm all messed up in my head, yeah. but yeah. it's something like that. Can I ask where um, such an amendment of that would be located in these uh, under these categories of plat and two variances? Where would the proper place for that condition be? I believe it's a condition to the second variance, the variance for the frontage. I mean, we just we're putting a condition on our variance for the for the reducing the frontage on the public street. I just want to make sure we don't create something that we don't want down the road. And, yeah. And is this the time to to do that? I'm I'm not sure I understand the full. I I think it is, uh, Commissioner Thomas, because we're the last vote on variances of the subdivision regulations. It doesn't go to the city commission unless there's an appeal by the neighbors or by tenants to homeowners. The city commission won't see this variance. They'll see that we did it, but they won't act on it. So now's the time. Because <clears throat> the variance runs with the land in, in forever. So, and the final plat won't be back in front of us, right? Correct. Final plat is an administrative approval. One question I have, uh, and, and maybe this would be for Randy, unless Commissioner Carpenter, you know, but I, I seem to recall that homeowners associations or common interest owner sort of type organizations, there's some state statutes that describe those, and if we if we start toying with the scope of the authority of an HOA that would be created here, would we be uh, running afoul of, or, or I guess sort of hamstringing what state law says that kind of organization would have by default? This is Randy Larkin, Deputy City Attorney. Uh, a lot of those are, the state laws, you know, restrict what a homeowners association would do. We can always restrict a little bit more. We just couldn't allow things that the state would not allow. So it would be fine, um, you know. We if, if we do have this, if we if we do place this condition on it in variance, I assume this variance is going to be noted on the plat. That would be the best way of protecting and having it run forward. But I assume that the variance is going to be listed on the plat. It would run be on the plat. It would run with the land. 
and everybody would have notice of it going forward and that any HOA that would be created would be just for the maintenance of that, that common drive. And that's not atypical. We have a number of places around maybe a swimming pool, you know, homeowners associations might have a little bit wider uh, uh, you know, leeway in some of those situations, but there are a number of situations around the city where there are homeowners associations just for a common interest or, or common area for maintenance. Sure. Would it, would it be okay to ask Commissioner Carpenter to um, run through the language that he's thinking about and then ask the applicant if they have any concerns about um, these new restrictions before we had a vote? Yes. Commissioner Carpenter, would you like to summarize that very quickly? Right. Uh, first, I'd like just to add a little bit my thoughts about the contractual nature of the HOAs. What, what Commissioner Sinclair, I, I think from what you're saying is when a group of neighbors come together, find a common interest, they all agree to amend their deeds to make them part of the HOA. Here we're doing something different. We're making it a condition by the city that you must form an HOA, whether you want to or not, but it's going to be limited in scope. And that could actually help homeowners down the road that you know could find themselves in a position that I don't want to be in an HOA, but I agree we have to pay for this road. So I agree to shared maintenance for our private street. So I, I see them as kind of two different animals. That's why I asked the question earlier about whether we would be able to modify that because it is all contractual. Um, but with that said, I, I think maybe the language could be is if there is a transfer of ownership, so the property is no longer under one common ownership or other entity, that manages a community land trust, then a homeowners association shall be formed with the limited authority to maintain the common access drive or, yeah, and access easement. I think that would be it. So don't make me try to say it again. I hope it's in the notes and, and we <laughs> But most of that language is in the note um, to be added to the preliminary and final plat, um, just modified a bit. That, that um, would be the yeah. note, yes. And, yeah. and I would ask uh, Rebecca if, since yeah. this is your expertise area, if that is sufficient to what's intended here. Yeah, Commissioner Carpenter, I have no problem with that. That really is saying if. Everything we plan of permanent ownership and stewardship, something weird happens, which, yeah, I hope I'm not here at the end of the 99-year ground lease, but mm. <laughs> that that uh, there is some thought long-term, and I appreciate that. So I have no objection to that. Um, and I do, one other, just probably beyond what we need to know here, but as a not-for-profit, if we were to dissolve our assets, which this would be one of them, right? That land ownership um, interest in these units would have to go to a like-minded not-for-profit 
um, organization. So there is some protection there too, that there would be some ability to think through this communal interest in our work. But I have no problem with uh, saying if something goes awry, the HOA could be formed. And I agree with you entirely that HOAs sometimes need to be limited in scope. Thank you. So I guess, Randy and Jeff, do we have language that, that meets the requirements legally? Commissioner Carpenter, I think that the language I captured from your comment, I think I'm going to try and get it right here, is if the transfer of ownership or the entity to managing the land trust is changed with a limited authority, or excuse me, land trust require the establishment of the HOA with limited authority to maintain the common access drive. And access easement. I think, I think those are slightly different. So they are. Thank you. Otherwise of, we wouldn't have both in the original. So. <laughs> Point of legal order, if I may. Um, actually, well, let, I'd like to have the commission and the staff finish up uh, with the wording with of the wording of the because the entity language. actually is the Lawrence Community Housing Trust, not Land Trust. We'll wait a minute here till we get some language down. And if somebody could repeat that back and we'll try. And I'm gonna invite Commissioner Carpenter. <laughs> I'm, I'm throwing it to Randy. So no, I meant to. Once, once, no, once we have the language, I would invite you to make a motion based okay. on that language. I, I, I think we I have the intent here. We just have yeah. to make sure the language. Yeah. This is Randy Larkin, Deputy City Attorney. Um, if the Planning Commission was so inclined, you could vote on this and we can tweak the language later. Make sure it, it meets whatever it is that you're wanting to do, as opposed to trying to uh, wordsmanship word yeah. it right now. Uh, sometimes when you do that on the spur of the moment, things happen. And uh, right. if we have a little time to look at it and come back to it, sometimes we can uh, <laughs> avoid errors that way. Can you suggest, Randy, then what we would say in the motion to have that accomplished? I think I think if uh, Commissioner Carpenter would give direction, just pretty much what he said previously, we would take that as direction and then we would put the language in, in the plat. And eventually, you know, and then we can go from there. Commissioner Carpenter, are you willing to make that motion? I'll try, but don't second it until we're sure it's a good motion. Okay. Um, I move that we approve a variance. Um, from the requirement for each lot to have frontage on a public street per section 20-810B of the subdivision regulations subject to the following condition. Preliminary and final plant that specifies that if there is a transfer of ownership, so the property is no longer under one common ownership or other 
successor entity uh, managing, and I had to apologize to Michael, the correct language to name the land trust, um, then a homeowners association bid, bid, would be required with the limited authority to provide for the common maintenance of the shared drive and access easement. And with a caveat to that, we would direct legal staff to review this for legal sufficiency and make necessary tweaks or changes to make sure that it complies with Kansas land use law. <laughs> That's something that passes muster with planning staff and Randy Larkin, our attorney. Is Randy Larkin, deputy city attorney. That was excellent. Okay. Concur. All right. <laughs> so we have a motion. Do I have a second? Commissioner Rexroad. Any further discussion? Online. Not seeing any. Can we have a call? The roll call, please. Commissioner Ashworth. Yes. Commissioner Barreto? Yes. Commissioner Carpenter? Yes. Commissioner Carter? Yes. Commissioner Payton? Yes. Commissioner Rexroad? Yes. Commissioner Sinclair? Yes. Commissioner Thomas? Abstain. Motion passes 7-0 to 1. Thank you all. And thank you to the members of the public that were here um, and those commenting online, thank you for taking us through that. Um, staff and Randy for getting that up straight. So, and thanks again for the public um, comment on that. We're gonna move on to uh, try to do uh, item number three. And after item three, we'll likely take a break um, after item three, if that is all right. Um, Item three is to consider approving a special use permit for the expansion of a bar or lounge, lounge use located at 1340 and 1344 Tennessee Street. Uh, Catherine Wheat Flanner will be presenting that project. Uh, good evening, commissioners. This is Catherine Wheat Flanner in the Lawrence uh, Douglas County Planning Office. Again, I'm here to present this, the third item on your agenda, which is a special use permit uh, for the expansion of the bar and lounge use. Uh, you'll note there are two addresses associated with 1340 and 1344 Tennessee. Um, that's because it is one lot, one property. However, this SUP action pertains to the address 1344 um, Tennessee Street, just so you're aware that it's one structure on a two-structure um, or a multi-structure parcel. Um, again, this is for the expansion of a bar and lounge use. And this bar and lounge use is currently being operated under an approved uh, special use permit that was approved in 2011 um, as part of the rezoning that took place to zone this district to the MU district. Um, and it has been operating um, since, since that time. There was another SUP associated with this particular parcel um, approved in 2017 as part of some redevelopment, um, the combination of the lot um, and some improvements that were planned at the 1340 address. The improvements did take place and site plan and the minor subdivision did take place um, and those improvements related to the 1340 address. However, um, for whatever reason, um, the improvements, the applicant was not ready to do the improvements um, to 
1344 address, which is what the SUP covered. And SUPs have a two-year sunset period. They expire after two years if uh, no further action is taken um, to pull the building permit for that particular uh, approved use. And so this uh, SUP that was approved in 2017 has now, or that, yes, was approved in 2017, expired in 2019, April of 2019, and the applicant is now ready um, to proceed with that project, so they need to reapply. The SUP is in essence the same um, as the expansion was in 2017, with a slight addition of an additional 54 square feet. So in 2017, there was approximately 570-ish square feet um, on the north side of the structure, and now um, there's 624. But in essence, it's the same uh, SUP permit that came before uh, both the Planning Commission and the City Commission in 2017. And so um, other items to note, uh, this is only for the expansion of the footprint. It does not increase the occupancy load. Um, there is a set occupancy load on this property set by the fire department at 269, um, and that will not be increasing. They're just increasing the layout of the interior space to allow for some more tables and chairs with this expansion. Uh, sorry. Also, there's um, the further action that would be required if you were to make a recommendation for approval is that this SUP would also go uh, to the city commission for the ultimate decision uh, uh, for that approval. So I'm gonna screen share just briefly just to pull the plan up so you can see what the expansion is that we're talking about. Let's see if I can get this pulled up here. And this plan is, uh, in your packets under the staff reports uh, section. Um, and as you can see, there's two addresses on the property here. 1340 is the north, 1344 is the current bar and lounge use. Um, and the expansion is the shaded area kind of between the two existing structures. And that's what we're talking about. Um, in 2017, the shaded area kind of stopped um, here to the west a little bit more and they're they're pushing it out just a little bit more uh, to the west, but in essence, it is um, a very similar addition to what was approved in 2017. So in analyzing all of the criteria, um, staff is making a recommendation for you to uh, send a recommendation of approval to the city commission. Um, and I would be happy to go over, if you have any questions about the criteria for review, I would be happy to answer questions or give any clarifications um, if you should need them. And I do believe the applicant is here. So if you have questions for the applicants, um, they are present and can answer them as well. Thank you, Catherine. Um, Paul Werner is on the line for the applicant. Uh, good evening, everybody. Um, uh, yeah, Catherine did a great job. Like she said, I think the key points are, this is essentially what we had approved a couple years ago. At that time, they just weren't ready to um, pull the trigger and do the expansion. So we're going back through the process. It is essentially the same plan. Um, it does, uh, I think the key is just what was said that we're not expanding the occupancy inside. It just allows um, more seating and lets the same 95 people spread out a little bit more inside. So, um, I mean, we're excited about it. Uh, it's doing well. So we just uh, look for your support and hope to get started in a few months. 
So happy to answer any questions. Thank you. Thank you. Now we'll ask if there's any public comment. Uh, we'll start with anybody in the room. Is anybody here present to speak on this item? I do not see anybody present in the room. How about online? If you are online and want to speak to this issue, please uh, turn your video on and wave at the camera. Okay, not seeing anybody for public comment. We'll bring it back to the commission for discussion. Uh, Commissioner Carter. Yes, thanks. Um, I have a question for staff, um, and it's about fire code occupancy enforcement. What are the most common mechanisms for enforcing the occupancy in a public establishment? If, if a violation is made, how is it discovered and how is it reported and how is it followed up? Well, I think Jeff can fill in a little bit here if I missed the point, but um, this particular property is on a very regular rotation with fire prevention staff. Um, they do go in and check occupancy periodically, and they're aware that there is an occupancy limit, um, and so they're very cognizant of that. Uh, the enforcement mechanism would be that if they're found to be in violation, um, they could revoke. We could revoke the city could revoke this special use permit if they were uh, not in compliance with their special use permit. So that would be the uh, enforcement mechanism. Very good. Thank you, Catherine. And one thing I'll, I'll note too is that there is other provisions of the, the International Fire Code that they may be affected by that fire prevention staff would be able to, to look at and pursue as part of that also. Okay. Commissioner Carpenter raised his hand. Yeah, I remember this last time it was here, maybe the only one on the commission that was here then. Um, but Anyway, I just want to follow up on Commissioner Carter's uh, question. If, as Catherine said, it could result in the city uh, starting the action to revoke the SUP, if that happened, what exactly would we be revoking? Well, keep in mind they are operating on a current SUP. Um, that would potentially put their current SUP in jeopardy if the use is um, acting out of compliance, uh, they would not be able to operate their use potentially if they, if they were not in compliance. So that is what you would be revoking. Basically it's a special use. Um, and if for some reason they, you know, couldn't come into compliance or were out of compliance, that would be what would be at risk. So a follow-up to that. Are we replacing the SUP in place for the existing building with a new SUP that includes the expansion of the existing building? Or are we going to have two SUPs in no, operation for the same piece of property at the same time? Yeah, I appreciate the question. No, it would be replacing. It's basically um, the same SUP with the expanded um development on the property so it's one sup this sup would then take the place of the sup that is in force from 2011 currently and staff's recommendation is no time limit on the sup um, that's correct and we're, staff asked to, we're asked to put time limits on other sups why aren't we asked on this one well 
this one has been operating in compliance um, prior to when the rezoning took place to the MU district and under the current SUP for um, that was approved in 2011. So staff did not feel it was particularly necessary to impose a time limit for them to come back in and reapply for another SUP. Okay, thank you. Mr. Warner, you had a response to that? Yes, I, I think it's fair to say, you know, when, when we submit a plan, it goes to, I don't know, 35 different people, 40 different people. Um, I'm not aware, you know, some bar owners would probably suggest they probably are unfairly picked out on um, reviews of their occupancy, for the lack of a better word. I mean, the fire department visits these places I don't want to say every Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, but quite frequently. And they certainly leave restaurants for the most part out of the mix. Um, you know, commercial buildings have occupancies too. Some would probably argue there's some retail guys that at certain times of the year probably exceed their occupancy. But I guess my point is, I think if um, I'm not aware that they've had any problems with um, occupancy. And I think if they had, with all the reviews and all the site plans and who, I mean, these go to the police department, fire department and all that, I think we would have heard about it. So um, I think they've been operating a, you know, a good operation and, and sticking to what they're supposed to do. So I'd like to think, um, you know, we can, I don't wanna say give them the benefit of the doubt, but there are certainly mechanisms in there um, that, the, that if, if this was a problem, I think that the fire department would have brought it up. So, thank you. Um, Commissioner Payton, I saw you move your, your hand in and out. Did you have a, a question? No, okay. Any other questions? Now, would someone like to entertain a motion then, please? Sure. Commissioner Rexroad. I move we approve request to rezone. Whoops, sorry. I start over. Apologies. I move we approve a special use permit SUP-22-00132 for the expansion of a bar or lounge use at 1340 and 1344 Tennessee Street and forwarding to the city commission with a recommendation for approval based on the findings of facts presented in the staff report. Thank you. Do we have a second? A second. Commissioner Sinclair, any further discussion? None. Seeing none, um, can we have a vote, please? Commissioner Ashworth? Yes. Commissioner Barodo? Yes. Commissioner Carpenter? Yes. Commissioner Carter? Yes. Commissioner Payton? Yes. Commissioner Rexford? Yes. Commissioner Sinclair? Yes. Commissioner Thomas? Yes. Motion passes eight to zero. Thank you. And then I, now I would like to call for a break given we're almost two hours in. And so before we reach item number four, maybe five minute break, be back here at 825. Awesome. Thank you. Hey, thank you very much, everybody. Have a good night.
Okay, I believe we are, are ready to go. So we are on item four tonight. Uh, we are going to consider a, approving a special use permit to establish an active recreation use in the open space zoning district. Uh, this is at located at 700 Lyon Street. We have Luke Mortensen presenting for um, Luke Mortensen Planner presenting for staff. Thank you. Good evening, Commissioners. Luke Mortensen, Planner with the Planning and Development Services Department. As Chair Ashworth just noted, item E4 before you tonight is a request to consider approving a special use permit to establish and expand an active recreation use uh, land use located within the open space zoning district at 700 Lion Street. The subject property is an existing City of Lawrence Park that is zoned OS Open Space District. The proposed splash pad falls under the city's active rec land use designation and would be located northeast of the existing playground and north of the existing picnic shelter. I'm just going to share share the graphic that's also located within the agenda tonight. Um, okay, so per section 20-403 of uh, the city's land development code, an active recreation land use is a permitted land use in the OS district with an approved special use permit. The applicant who is working alongside the city's municipal services and operations and parks and recreations departments will submit a building permit for the construction of the proposed splash pad improvements. Staff anticipate these improvements will be constructed during the fall of 2022 and open to the public by summer of 2023. Additionally, the applicant has submitted a floodplain development permit as the proposed splash pads location is encumbered by the FEMA mapped regulatory floodplain. Both the building permit and the floodplain development permit are reviewed administratively by PDS staff. As you're aware, your recommendation as the Planning Commission on the Special Use Permit component is the first step towards a final determination by the City Commission. You'll see in the staff report that the applicant submitted a mostly code compliant site plan that graphically shows the proposed improvements in relation to the existing off-street parking area, property lines, and existing playground equipment. This frame park would function similarly to the previously approved Burroughs Creek Park splash pad with the same or similar equipment. Treated splash pad water will be filtered and recirculated within a, um, an internal loop system to reduce water usage. The, as I mentioned earlier, the proposed splash pad is encumbered by the FEMA mapped regulatory floodplain. Following this SUP process, staff will review the um, proposed floodplain development permit against Article 12 of our code. Um, and so similar to the Burroughs Creek splash pad, um, it will be designed and constructed such that the rain and flood waters, if there are any, will be diverted from the splash pad and the sanitary sewer system via site grading and a three-inch rain diverter. Flood waters will be directed to swales and ditches for absorption back into the ground, um, as is common in North Lawrence. The applicant has submitted a site plan. You're looking at the first page of it. Um, uh, and materials that mostly satisfy the standards for establishing this special use as outlined by Article 13 of the code. Additionally, staff believes this proposed land use satisfies the stated purpose of the open space zoning district as expressed by Section 20-218 of the Land Development Code, which is to accommodate development that is compatible with the natural amenities and preserves and enhances the major open spaces and recreational areas of the city. 
Additionally, Lions Park is already home to existing active recreation uses that include baseball diamonds, tennis, pickleball, and basketball courts, existing playground equipment, and a picnic shelter. This proposed splash pad would function as an extension of, the exist of these existing active recreation uses, and the park has sufficient off-street parking to support the anticipated user load. This proposed special use permit addresses the replacement of the playground equipment and picnic shelter. However, those improvements will not be made at this time and will be handled at a future date with a separate and future building permit. Staff has received one neighbor communication regarding this proposed land use and it's uh, included in the agenda materials. Staff does not recommend a time limit on this special use permit as this is city owned and operated infrastructure and will be maintained by the Parks and Recreation and Municipal Services and Operations Departments. Normally, staff like to present a completed and approved site plan. However, there are some recommend, recommended conditions with this proposed special use permit. These proposed conditions ensure the applicant submit that code compliant plan and specifically reference street trees and requiring a final city survey or review and approval of some of the public improvements components, specifically the walkways throughout the property. With that, I will wrap up um, and by recommending approval of this proposed special use permit to, to permit the establishment of an active recreation use, the splash pad, replacement and relocation of existing play apparatus and replacement of existing picnic shelter located at 700 Lyon Street, subject to the conditions listed in the staff report. As always, I can stand for questions. Um, I, I believe our applicant, oh, yep, I see Brian. So our applicant is with us tonight and he can answer questions as well. Thank you, Luke. Um, Brian Sturm, please, uh, for the applicant. Yes, uh, good evening, commissioners. I appreciate the time um, and I appreciate uh, all the work that has gone into this from, um, you know, members of city staff. Uh, Luke gave a great presentation. I can tell that uh, uh, Kyle Gontrowitz is in the meeting as well, who uh, I've been working with, um, with MSO. Um, I'm I'm not going to go into any further detail on the design of the project. I'd prefer just to answer questions if you have them. I will add to um, what you know. Luke mentioned. Um, you know, we have already had a, a public uh, meeting with the North Lawrence Improvement Association. Um, we met with their membership back in April to share some of the very early conceptual ideas on this. Uh, on this set of improvements, and, and they were received favorably. Uh, we'll be actually appearing before that same group um, next month to give them an update. Um, and we've enjoyed reaching out and engaging with them. Um, and I'll just I, I can clarify a few things, you know, in terms of all the things shown on this plan. It is the city's intent to be able to begin construction on the splash pad or the spray park um, in this fall with, with construction completing next spring. So this amenity is open to the public by summer of 2023. It's also their intent to replace the playground equipment this fall as well. That's in this year's capital improvement plan. Um, the uh, the the uh, shelter, the picnic shelter replacement would happen more likely in the year 2024. That's when that money is made available in the in the CIP. Um, so it is an SUP that shows a number of different moving parts in that part of the park. Um, and uh, again, if you have 
other questions on what's being proposed, I'm, I'm happy to answer those. Thank you. Um, do we have, I don't see anybody, any member of the public wishing to comment in the room. Is there anybody online, member of the public that would like to comment on this project? Not seeing anybody, I'll bring it back to the commission for discussion. I have a question. Commissioner Rexford. Oh, thank you. Um, I think uh, Luke, for you maybe, um, uh, We've talked about sidewalks um, in this area, in fact, on this block quite a bit in the past. And I've, I've got two questions about that. And this, I see sidewalk is proposed here, and I'm curious if the design of that sidewalk is consistent with how we would ask the neighbors um, uh, to the east of that, should sidewalks go in there? Would that just be the same location, everything the same? And I'm also curious about um, its impact on drainage and uh, thinking about that letter um, um, from the, a, a neighbor there who's complaining about drainage in that area. So I'm curious about how those things uh, might fit together. Mm -hmm. So the sidewalks would be constructed with public improvement plans, which are reviewed and approved by our MSO engineers. Um, as far as the kind of more curvilinear nature of it. Um, I believe that's to take advantage of um, some existing walkways that are in the park. Um, I'm not sure if we're quite at that level yet of, uh, or if, if, or if I can speak to that, if, how they would feel about that curvilinear nature. I know when we brought this uh, a number of weeks ago to a kind of an introductory staff meeting, they were more concerned with getting sidewalk in the first place. Um, with this project um, than the exact alignment of, you know, alignment at that moment. Um, that is a little bit different in that the sidewalk would come up onto the property and then drop back into the right of way. Um, that is less standard than when the sidewalk is just in the right of way. Yeah. Uh, as far as the drainage goes, um, yes, that that neighbor's concern was was kind of more about North Lawrence drainage in general. Um, and I did reach out to both our city stormwater engineer, Matt Bond, and then um, Kyle Gontrans, the MSO engineer who's assigned to this project. And there aren't really any large scale, you know, CIP level or, or longer term initiatives that were discussed with me today about drainage in North Lawrence. Um, as I'm sure all of you are aware, that stormwater drainage is handled sometimes underground, um, sometimes in those swales and ditches. Um, it is a little bit of both. Uh, the city has made efforts both by acquiring um, parcels of land and then making improvements to pump stations in North Lawrence that aim to move that water more efficiently. Um, but they felt confident with the way that the site graded to those uh, swales and ditches that the floodwaters would be um, would be reabsorbed back into the uh, back into the earth surface properly. I'll make one note about the floodplain in North Lawrence. It's um, Zone AH, which is um, floodplain with characteristics of ponding, um, and so it's going to be less of your fast-moving, um, rapid rise, rapid fall floodplain stormwaters that we you might see near Burroughs Creek, and more of a um, a ponding type situation, which works with those swales. And that's kind of how it has time to um, absorb back into the surface of the earth. So hopefully that covers it. Um, hopefully that, that answers your question. 
Thank you. Other questions? Being online. So uh, just to follow up with that question about the drainage and the flooding. So the property immediately to the east um, on the street, on Lyon Street, that would not experience any additional runoff into their yard due to this development. That's correct. So um, as part of the floodplain development permit, we are going to be calculating the um, addition and impervious surface. And so for non-residential land uses, um, they are limited to no more than 60% of the area that's encumbered by the floodplain can be impervious. Um, and so that's uh, if they don't meet that number, we wouldn't be able to approve the floodplain development permit and then subsequently any of the remaining permits. Um, they won't be getting close to that. Um, that parcel is so large that 60% of that um, would be a significant amount of impervious surface. Thank you. Other comments, questions from commissioners? Not seeing any in person, not seeing any online. Would somebody care to uh, give a motion? Okay. All right, Commissioner Rexroad. I'm happy to share. <laughs> so um, let me see if this is, uh, we have conditions here. Mm -hmm. I'd make a motion that we approve special use permit SUP-22-00135 to permit the establishment of an active recreation use, Lions, splash, Lions Park splash pad, replacement and relocation of existing play apparatus and replacement of existing picnic shelter located at 700 Lyon Street, subject to the conditions in the staff report. Good, any seconds? Do I have a second? Commissioner no Sinclair, um, any further discussion on this matter? Commissioner Sinclair. I would just note, I, mm -hmm. just on the record, I think this is an amazing project and I uh, am so happy that it's slated for North Lawrence. I think they deserve something cool like this over there. Um, something uh, that I wish uh, my daughter could take advantage of if it wasn't that we were moving. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and, and on that note, I'd like to say, just as I like to touch base with Plan 2040, um, this is part of walkable, livable neighborhoods um, for Plan 2040. So it's good to yeah. see that. So, uh, so I guess we'll call for a roll, please. Commissioner Ashworth? Yes. Commissioner Barotto? Yes. Commissioner Carpenter? Yes. Commissioner Carter? Yes. Commissioner Payton? Yes. Commissioner Rexroad? Yes. Commissioner Sinclair? Yes. Commissioner Thomas? Yes. Motion passes eight to zero. All right, thank you all. Uh, the next few items on the agenda, five and six will be taken together. Uh, that is to consider approving a request to rezone approximately 0.6 acres from office commercials or commercial strip, along with the associated variances. And Kyle Colby will be presenting this project. Chair, if I may. Uh, we actually have Sandy Day will be presenting oh, item okay. six for the variance. Um, for the variance, I'm sorry. So Kyle Kobe for the rezone. 
Thank you very much, Kyle um, So this application, which was submitted along with the uh, minor subdivision application just referenced, MS-2200130, is intended to facilitate development of an administrative and professional office use. Approval of the minor subdivision without this corresponding rezoning would result in a split zone block. Therefore, the applicant has submitted the request before you now to rezone the subject site from CO commercial office to CS commercial strip district. Well, both of these districts allow for an office use, what would be the western portion of the new lot was recently rezoned to the CS district in 2020. CS is present to the west and south of the subject area. The applicant has stated that the intent is to develop an office use that would support nearby. I'm sorry. I did not realize that. Hopefully everybody could hear me fine at home. Um, the applicant has stated the intent is to develop an office use that would support nearby healthcare service uses, but that healthcare services would not be offered at this location. The proposed location uh, of this office use would place it between two existing healthcare service uses, though. The HOP district plan identifies this area as a medical entryway. The stated intent of the development would support and strengthen that and synergize well with the existing development to the east and west. While the CS district permits many more uses than the CO district does, the specific context of this location and the overall design of the area are contextual factors that are likely to limit potential future development of uses that would feature high traffic generation or rely on easy access and high visibility from right of way. Size of any proposed structure will also be impacted by existing easements running through the subject site. This application, together with the minor subdivision application, will help facilitate development of an office building that would support medical services uses. The proposed location is situated between two such uses in an area that is already clearly established as a medical services area. Facilitating such a development helps to reinforce the existing uses, provides additional employment opportunities, fits within the established character of the surrounding area, resolves a potential split zoning issue, and facilitates infill development. Staff recommends approval of the request to rezone the subject area from CO to CS based on the findings presented in the staff report and forwarding it to the city commission with a recommendation for approval. And I'd be happy to answer any questions you may have. And I also, the applicant is here tonight. Thank you. And now that I see the, the outline here, would it be best to go ahead and um, continue with the rezoning or have um, Sandy Day present the variances along? I think it would be um, appropriate to consider the zoning first okay. and then move to the, the the variance request that's associated with minor subdivision. Okay, so we will then turn to the applicant. Is the applicant here tonight? David Hamby, yes, I do see him online. Yes, thank you. Um, again, I appreciate staff's work on this and Kyle and Sandy's work on this. Um, I don't really have anything to add. I think the staff report's pretty clear. We're, we're trying to resolve some issues with the split zoning and, and make it uh, consistent with what's been shown up there. So. I'd be happy to answer your questions you might have. All right. Um, do we have anybody? There's no one in the uh, commission room um, to, for public comment. Is there anybody online that would like to comment on this project? Not seeing anybody. I'll bring it back to the commission for discussion. I imagine this will one will generate some discussion. The rezoning. From office commercial to commercial strip. Mm -hmm. 
there's a number of changes or potential changes in use for this property. We've received no, there was no written com comments on this either in the packet. Um, Commissioner Barodo. Yes, I, I just have a, a question, um, which is regarding the location for um, uh, waste and trash for that building. Is it going to be, that building will be using the same as the medical building that is in front of it, or if there's a space uh, dedicated for it? Kyle with planning. Um, I think that those are the design level details that are typically handled at the site planning level. I don't okay. know if the applicant has information on that. I, I suspect that the that level of detail has probably not been refined at this point. But, yeah, just raise a question is because the, the, the medical building across uh, from it, it's, it's really big. And it's already using uh, the trash cans that is in the parking lot. So I was just concerned where the trash from that building is going to go to. That way it won't create an issue with the property that is just uh, um, literally behind the trash. So I just, just in case it creates a problem in the future. For too much yeah, this is David Hamby with BG Consultants. We're still working on the site plan on it. We'll work closely with Solid Waste Department to make sure that they're happy with whatever we decide to do there. Okay, fantastic. Thanks. Any comments um, from commissioners? Anybody have any questions about the change in use uh, list? No? Would anybody like to entertain a motion? <laughs> Um, yeah, sorry, David here. I'm just trying to, to figure out, if I may, how to frame my question. Um, because there's some things about just the, the fundamental report that I'm not quite following. And it has to do with, you know, the not exactly split zoning, but I understand that the properties to the west are CS. And, and you know, the, the property in question is CO. But it's not entirely clear to me why that's a problem given the um, desired uses. Um, if, you know, I, I think um, uh, Kyle's uh, uh, phrasing was that there were uses that were permitted under CS that were not under CO, but it's like twice as many. It's, it, is a, it seems to me like a vastly different profile of uses. Yes, it's inclusive, but I mean, I, I, it's not quite clear to me how this enhances the character, the prescribed character of this area as a medical gateway. Kyle, could we with planning? I think to address the like the split zoning component, let me share my screen very quickly. So the split zoning would would come up um, the area you see highlighted here. Um, is the area that's proposed for rezoning. And it is, it's this area to the left that would connect it to Michigan Street that's already zoned CS. So uh, in order, e either if we did not want to create a split zone lot, either this would need to be, and hopefully you're able to see my cursor, yes. either we would need to rezone this to CO after having just zoned it CS in 2020, mm -hmm. or rezone this to cs so 
the frontage along Michigan Street and then also for extending a ways on 6th Street already being CS, the intent is to keep it in like sort of the same zoning profile as the, the areas that it's connecting into. Mm-hmm. So I guess in a way it's, it's sort of either a rezoning would be needed in one way, shape or form to prevent a split zoning issue. So it was a matter of choosing either CS to zone this to or CO to zone the other one to. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that helps answer that question. Uh, yes, it does clarify where the split is. Um, um, I, I'm, I'm still, well, I mean, I, it, I, I apologize for it, the difficulty I'm having in articulating um, and, uh, the desire, how the intended use would be enhanced by the, by the rezoning. Um, because again, to rezone this to CS would open it up to, I mean, again, this is a, um, this stays with the property, not with the owner. And, um, this potentially opens up this property for a, a, you know, a vastly different profile of uses that are not, that are not currently within the sort of medical gateway profile. So, um, I, I, I'm curious, maybe Kyle, why uh, the the choice, why the recommendation to to zone this or to rezone this CS, as opposed to, for example, returning the uh, the adjacent um, property to the CO. Mm-hmm. I know it's it, it seems it seems odd to re- to reverse it, but like, what is the what is the the the, the gain in terms of suitability? of this property um, relative to just um, reversing the zoning on the adjacent property. So and, and maybe Mr. Hanby, maybe this is a question for Mr. Hanby rather than for you, Kyle. It's David Hanby with BG Consultants. So the first thing we did when we went through the pre-submittal, we actually started with the minor subdivision that created this lot. And during that process, we discovered that there was a split zoning process problem, if you will. And we had discussions with planning staff to to see what they would recommend would be the best approach and uh, what we landed on was the cs zoning and i think uh, you know i don't know that there was a specific reason for it i do know that uh, because this is an infill development i mean you've got existing parking lot and this is a fairly small lot it's going to be a little bit more challenging to hit the impervious area calculations and the cs is i think five percent higher and so that just gives us a little extra leeway because the existing parking on the strip to michigan's a little bit uh is fully developed and so putting a a building on there is is we wanted to make sure we hit those requirements and and meet the the city's requirements for zoning and the cs is just a little bit more favorable for that and so if if nothing else it just it just makes it a little bit easier to to process that now the zoning uses um again i don't want to go into the future owner but it it is planned to be uh, medical use not Mm -hmm. medical um office building but it's a medical it's supporting that medical use so hopefully that answers your question or at Um, least gets a little bit toward further yeah thank you mr hanby i don't think it necessarily allays my concern but it does answer my question so thank you Mm -hmm. 
Did that bring up any other further questions from other commissioners about the potential use of this property with the proposed zoning? And here's up, Commissioner Carpenter. Thank you. Um, Luke, could you kind of go over how this proposed zoning change is in agreement with the current hot plan? And along with that question, when is the hot plan up for review to be revised, including correcting the spelling for Pinckney now? <laughs> Kyle Kuby with planning. Um, I don't know uh, like an estimated timeline on updating the hot plan. I'm not sure where that is on the work plan. Um, at the at the moment, Commissioner Carpenter, we're anticipating that that would be in 2023 is when we'd kick that project off. If if all calendars and things hold true at the moment, we expect that to be be the case. I, I thought it was the one after East Lawrence, but I didn't want to misspeak. But, but how does how does this uh, zoning request comply with the current pod plan? So I I don't know. Oops, sorry, did. I don't know that the zoning specifically is the the thing that integrates with the hot plan so much as the proposed development, the intended use, which the zoning would support the development of. So the hot plan doesn't say you should rezone this to CS, but the hot plan does identify this area as a medical entryway or gateway. I, I'm, I can't remember which term it uses. Um, and by processing this minor subdivision, the rezoning, and then the subsequent major site plan that would need to follow, these things combined all factor into that. You know, we're, we're only looking at this component of it right now. So it is a piece of that larger process requirement. Um, so again, it, it, the hot plan doesn't necessarily say thou shalt rezone this to CS or anything like that, um, but it is the, like, I guess the larger project that feeds into that. And just if I might, so people know what we're talking about, the hot plan is the Hillcrest, Old West Lawrence and Pickney Neighborhood Association's plan. Thank you. Did that answer your question, Commissioner Carpenter? Well, I'm, I'm sharing some of the same questions about why we're going one way and not the other that Commissioner Carter is raising. And I do know that the hot plan is kind of more general and it's not very specific about specific parcels, but I, I'm still I'm still struggling since we're opening up a whole bunch of other uses. Just what happens if the current plan for that's been specified here falls through? What are we opening this up to? I mean, are we opening up to an expansion of a Taco Bell or a drive-through coffee shop or or what? Is that a possibility if the current plan falls through and we have the reason? If I might, one consideration is if the narrow strip of land were to go back to see if it did, if we flip this around and said the CS to CO for that narrow strip of land, as I understand it, the that would severely limit 
um, that there, that piece of property is not suited for most of the uses for which it could be used, as I understand that narrow strip of property. And so rezoning that strip of property instead of the one before us um, would prove difficult. And therefore, we're again, we're having difficulty with split zoning, if I stated that right. Um, we have messed with the zoning for this particular uh, section so many times over the last six years. It's, it's gotten confusing in my head how we even got to this point. But I'm, I'm not saying one or the other is better. I just, I just am curious, are we opening up an unintended possible land use? by going this way as opposed to the other way. As you know, Commissioner Carter was raising that question, I believe. Commissioner Carpenter, if I may, I, I think there, the, the thing in the hot plan that's important to note is there is a, there's a map 4-1 that indicates the areas of, of zoning that needs to be updated in part of that plan. And this area just falls outside of that boundary by a little bit. So it's not, it's close to it, but it's not in the boundary of that that was identified for the update. So it is kind of a little bit in that in-between space there. You know, when you, when you look at a property like this, it's kind of for the lack of a description, kind of a flag lot coming off in many ways there is you're going to, it's going to be very limited on interest from other parties because of how it is configured as an individual lot. It's going to be more likely to be subsumed by a neighboring property and, and redevelop probably as a whole, just because of that configuration and the access point. So um, while the uses are, are certainly there in the CS, I think some of that configuration and the planning may make this a little trickier than a, a normal development project in, in that scope and sense. Okay. So um, there are some concerns of our Commissioner Carter's and Commissioner Carpenter's concerns about potential uses for this allayed, or does anybody else have any concerns about the types of uses that come with the CS zoning? In that location, is there anything particular you're worried about Commissioner Carpenter and Commissioner Carter um, in the CS zoning that you wouldn't think would be appropriate for that location? Um. Well, yeah, Commissioner Carter here. I mean, when I look at the uses, there are a whole there are several that I think are not necessarily appropriate. But I mean, it's but if they're allowed, if they I mean, if they they if they are uh, by right uh, with a CS uh, with CS zoning, um, uh, you know, I'm I'm just con I, I'm concerned. Not I'm not worried, but I'm concerned about how these kinds of things evolve, um, and uh, I, I'm sensitive to the applicants. Uh, reasoning, um, but um, especially, I think um, this idea that uh, the the parcel is more likely to be subsumed by a by a neighbor that means it would be more likely to be subsumed by a neighbor to the west than the neighbor to the east. That is, you know, um, uh, we've got a, a a very large area, an increasing size area of CS. Um, and, 
it, it, it just, um, it, it opens itself up to a very large commercial development, development that's not necessarily medically oriented. And again, uh, that, that may not be other people's concerns, but it just doesn't seem to fall in line with the rationale for making this a medical establishment. So, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm probably, I perhaps, and I hope that I'm in the minority here, and that's just my, my concern and not the, the general uh, commission's concern, but I'm having difficulty um, supporting this rezoning. Commissioner Sinclair. Uh, I guess a question for Commissioner Carpenter, since he's our, uh, the, I feel like the commission's expert on conditional zoning. I mean, is this, would this be an appropriate, um, an appropriate instance uh, to restrict some of the uses that are uh, that are normally allowed under the CS to no. get to a point of, of, of you know, passing this one? I think the short answer in my mind is no. I, I don't think it would meet the criteria that's in the code right now uh, because we can address this in other ways. It's not our last option. Um, so I, I guess I would have follow up with a question to Mr. Hamby. Just what type of zoning is needed for the uh, anticipated use by the, you know, unknown <laughs> property user. I mean, without telling us anything about that, but do you need, does this person need one type of zoning over, over the other uh, in order to build what's being represented in the application here? Uh, David Hamby, BG Consultant. So, you know, I, I mentioned the use, it's an administrative office building. That's, that's what the use is. So uh, I know both of those were covered in there. The, the key timing. Uh, I think this project's under contract. And so um, it may be closing in the next, I don't know, a few weeks. I don't have a, a solid time on that, but I know uh, it's it's in agreement. And so that's the my biggest concern is the effect of the timing on on any changes you make here. So, so I, you know, I'm, I don't think the, the COs uh, a zoning that wouldn't work. However, you know, we, we went down the path based on what recommendations of city staff. And so, you know, hopefully we're not stuck back, you know, three months. Well, I, I don't want to stick you back three months. I'm, I'm just asking if you can build the same anticipated use in either zoning category. I believe so, yes. Okay. Because, I, I, you know, I'm not talking about deferring or anything else. We're going to vote one way or the other tonight. Right. Um, and you can still proceed with your project it appears we're just talking right now it seems about long term um, under our current code at least uh, what could happen in these commercial cap type zoning categories because again these could all change over the next three years and who knows um, but and then we'd be just be grandfathered in with what we're doing here tonight so i guess we're just a lot of this is just hypothetical on the part of Commissioner Carter and me right now. Um, can I also ask staff, is there any changes uh, with the, the next part? Would this change the next item variances depending on whether this was 
remain CO or was changed to CS? Would that change the variance? Sandy. Sandy. Sandy Day yeah. planning. Um, yes. The changes in the zoning are um, do have a direct link to at least one of the variances. Um, and I can give you a little preview of that. Um, the configuration of the lot is definitely part of the discussion that we had with the applicant early on about the zoning. Um, if you look at Article 6, the, the density and dimensional standards of the code, and this is related to the variance, uh, it requires um, for, for new CS lots, which is what we're potentially talking about, the required frontage along public street, so that's the Michigan Street, requires to be 100 feet. Well, the configuration of this property does not physically have that space. So that is one of the, the items. By converting that flagpole of the flag lot uh, to the CO district, they would not be required to meet that wider lot width requirement at the street because the CO district does allow you to have that narrower lot, only 50 feet. So that variance would go away. However, if you also look at the density and dimensional standards in Article 6, what you will see is that the CS district allows you to have a little bit more impervious surface area. Now, that's this is going to be a site plan component um, than the CO district. So it does give the applicant just a slightly bit more flexibility in trying to lay out their building in their parking uh, within the lot configuration. So that flagpole piece already has an established use. It's a cross access um, and shared uh, and parking piece for the for the medical use that's immediately adjacent to it, to the south. Um, and then there will probably also ultimately be cross access flowing, uh, you know, from Michigan Street through this lot, through um, the property that's at the corner of 6th and Main. Um, so there, there are a lot of integrally related components of this project. Um, it's an unusually shaped lot, so it's an unusual circumstance. And we did go back and forth quite a bit with the applicant. Um, I sat in on the pre-submittal, so I have that history that Kyle probably did not, um, talking back and forth about CO versus CS. Um, while technically the use is allowed, the configuration of the lot does make it um, a little bit more challenging to develop. So there are definitely some constraints in the property, in the configuration, based on the development pattern that exists that's unlikely to, you know, the cell tower, um, you know, the little cutout of, of the lot on the north side that's in response to that piece, um, the configuration of uh, the bulk of lot two where the new development would be is, again, you know, kind of this piece of where do we place a building, where do we get the required setbacks. Um, so it does offer a bit more flexibility than the CO district would have um, by converting it all to CO. Thank you, Sandy. I think that preview helps put this um, in the larger context. Commissioner Rexrode. Sure, uh, just a thought. Um, I 
Um, listening carefully and appreciate uh, Commissioner Carter's and Commissioner Carpenter's um, thinking on this. And, and I think I would, I would agree um, about the concern um, if this were um, CS in an island, if this was a change, if there's nothing else around that was consistent. But, but the fact is there's CS adjacent to it. There's CS in other parts of, of, of this area. Um, uh, so I, I think that the risk of, of transforming the area, for me anyway, the risk of transforming that area into something um, totally different is less um, because of that. Um, I, given the fact that CS exists in the area um, and that this doesn't represent a dramatic change for that area, um, I think I, I'd lean in favor of less friction and cost for the applicant and uh, would uh, I lean in support of, uh, of staff's recommendation to help resolve the split zoning issue by approving um, this change to CS? Not taking anything away from the, the you know the what might happen in the future, but it is that applicant's land is surrounded by those other uses. I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna trust those folks will make the right decisions with that ground as they go forward. Thank you. I did see a. Got a brief corner of my eye for um, Commissioner Carter had raised his hand before I butted in. Um, oh, no, I, yeah, I'm not sure if, if I if may perhaps it was un, unconsciously. Um, I, I wanted to uh, thank uh, Sandy for the for the clarification. I know Mr. Hanby was trying to explain this in terms of the percentage of or the ratio of uh, impermeable surface. I, I think, as I said at the beginning, I I was just having difficulty connecting uh this request with the justification for the request and um i think um i mean commissioners commissioner rexford's uh, observation about um you know the prevalence of cs is also well taken um it's not like this is um it's not like um uh, even even a a future commercial development would would destroy the character of the uh, of the area. I'm just uh, I was trying to to find that logical connection. I think I'm satisfied. Um, and uh, with that explanation, I think I I can go ahead and support this. Okay. Thank you. Other comments. Um, I would have to agree um, with staff's careful consideration going back and forth between CO and CS and thinking of all the complications for this property. Um, I too would support staff's recommendation. Can I have a motion then if nobody has any further comment? Sure. Okay, Commissioner Luke, Luke. <laughs> I can make a motion if, if no one else has any other comments or questions. Please do. Um, uh, okay. <clears throat> I um, move that uh, we approve the request to rezone approximately 0.6 acres from CO to a district to CS district based on the findings presented in the staff report and forwarded onto the city commission with the recommendation for approval. Thank you. We have second. Second. Commissioner Rexroad. Any further discussion? Seeing none, call for roll the vote. Commissioner Ashworth? Yes. Commissioner Barodo? Yes. 
Commissioner Carpenter? Yes. Commissioner Carter? Yes. Commissioner Payton? Yes. Commissioner Rexford? Yes. Commissioner Sinclair? Yes. Commissioner Thomas? Yes. Motion passes eight to zero. Thank you. And now we'll move on to the associated uh, variance with this project. Uh, item six, consider approving variances related to the lot width and street right of way associated with uh, the project at 532 Michigan Street and 1112 West 6th Street. And we've, um, Sandy's already given us spoilers on this one. Um, so we'll go ahead and let Sandy Day complete her, her presentation. Thank you. Thank you, Sandy Day, planning staff. So as you mentioned, there are two specific variances that go along with this project. The component that we are considering is related to the minor subdivision, which is actually an item that's not especially before you. Minor subdivisions are administrative except for the components of variances that do require planning commission action. Um, the, the review of this project really kind of assumes that the CS has been approved even though you've kind of conceptually approved uh, the zoning at this point and requires additional city commission action, but the review is going, it takes into context as if the, the CS zoning were approved for this. Um, the two variances, the first one that I previewed for you what has to do with the lot width, the 50 feet of that flag portion of the lot that, that Kyle was kind of highlighting uh, on his previous graphic. And if you want to look at page five of the staff report for um, the variance request, um, that's kind of the the document I'm speaking to at the moment. Um, as I mentioned, that lot is only 50 feet wide. That is uh, reflective of what the original subdivision plats were for that area. And as I mentioned, with the adoption of the land development code in 2006, when you plat new CS lots, you're required to have 100 feet of right of way. And that's really kind of a, 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 a it goes back to that part of that discussion about anticipating, you know, a, a more modern kind of commercial development. Um, and that's that's really not what we're working with here. We're working within the fabric of an existing um, developed environment um, in, in that fabric of the neighborhood within there. So there are a number of different limiting uh, factors. So that particular variance really affects just uh, that lot number two. The other variance has to do with the width of lot of uh, West 6th Street, which is a principal arterial street. This is a topic we've talked about many, many times um, that the Land Development Code in 2006 established a minimum right of way for principal arterial streets of 150 feet. West 6th Street, like many of our principal arterial streets, were not constructed. Um, or dedicated with that amount of right-of-way. There are no plans to widen West 6th Street. There is no indication through the review process that additional right-of-way was uh, needed or required for this segment. Um, the dedication of that additional right-of-way would actually impact the existing building that is on Lot 1. And there is kind of a, a, a fairness um, piece because this exact same variance along this exact um, same segment of street has been granted. This is one of the pieces that we know 
um, needs to be addressed that um, we will be bringing up with the new code. Um, so that's why we haven't brought forward uh, a text amendment to the subdivision regulations. So for all of those regions, the hardship, the compatibility, and that the public health, safety, and welfare will continue to be protected um, for both of these variances with this project, staff is supportive of the variances. I'm happy to answer any questions that you may have. Um, and again, I think the applicant is still on the line. I'm not sure. Yes, he is. Um, David Hamby, would you care to comment on this particular application? Sure, David Hamby, Beachy Consultants. Uh, again, we work closely with Sandy. And so um, we support the request. If I'd be happy to answer any questions, again, these are variances that we've had granted before and uh, are very similar, uh, have been granted in similar situations in the past. So thank you. Thank you. Uh, there is no one here in the commission room to comment on this. Is there anybody online to comment on this item from the public? Seeing none, I'll bring it back to the commission for discussion. And one quick question though, unlike the previous item, these two variances we can vote with one, we can have one vote on both these variances as it looks like in the packet, or do we need to take them separately? I would recommend taking them separate. Okay. All right, any discussion? Any discussion? I'm looking online. Any commissioners online have anything to say about this? Nothing up here. These are two separate variances. We've got a right of way. Sorry, we've got um, a lot width and the right of way. We'll take the lot width first. Okay, but can I um, ask for a motion then on the lot width? Uh, David Carter, if I may, um, oh, I'd like you. to I'd like to move that we approve the variance from section twenty eight ten a two. Um, and section 20-810E5 of the subdivision regulations to allow the minor subdivision Lawrence Medical Plaza number four MS22-00130 to reduce the lot width of proposed lot two to 50 feet. Thank you. So that is the lot width. Do I have a second on that one? Commissioner Sinclair? Further discussion? We have the vote on that one, Jeff. Commissioner Ashworth? Yes. Commissioner Baroto? Yes. Commissioner Carpenter? Yes. Commissioner Carter? Yes. Commissioner Payton? Yes. Commissioner Rexroad? Yes. Commissioner Sinclair? Yes. Commissioner Thomas? Yes. Motion passes eight to zero. Okay, and for the second vote, that would be that same language, but changing that to the right of way. Um, does anybody care to make a motion for the right of way variance? I'll be happy to make, a, make the motion. Thank you, Commissioner. If no one else is gonna fight me for it. Um, one, one question, uh, may I move for, uh, to uh, um, approve the uh, variance for the right of way with requirement uh, for West 6th Street from 150 feet to 100 feet for the same property. 
or do I need to repeat everything from the previous motion? Anyone? Uh, that's a question for staff, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I think. I think we'd need to repeat. Okay, yeah. here we go. I move <laughs> that we approve the variance from section 20-810A2 and section 20-810E5 of the subdivision regulations to allow the minor subdivision, Lawrence Medical Plaza number four, MS-22-00130, um, to, um, uh, to uh, reduce the right-of-way requirement for West 6th Street from 150 feet to 100 feet. Excellent. Can I have a second, please? Second. Commissioner Sinclair, any further discussion? Seeing none, can we have the vote, please? Commissioner Ashworth? Yes. Commissioner Baroto? Yes. Commissioner Carpenter? Yes. Commissioner Carter? Yes. Commissioner Payton? Yes. Commissioner Rexroad? Yes. Commissioner Sinclair? Yes. Commissioner Thomas? Yes. Motion passes eight to zero. Wonderful. That concludes the regular agenda for the evening. Um, but we have some miscellaneous uh, business to take care of. Uh, first up is the consideration of initiation of a text amendment to the zoning and land use restrictions. Reg sorry, re regulations for Douglas County uh, that would add the newly created solar energy conversion systems and limited scale solar energy conversion systems to the permitted use table. And Mary Miller will be presenting that text amendment. Good evening, commissioners. Um, we did go through quite a bit of work on the solar energy conversion system standards, but we neglected to actually add them back into the permitted use table. So at the present time, until we get that added, a, the uses would be permitted in any district if a conditional use permit were approved. So we're asking to initiate this amendment so we can designate which districts a um, conditional use permit would be required, which districts the use may not be permitted at all, and if there are any districts that would be permitted with site planning rather than a conditional use permit. So that'll be our next step, just correcting that oversight, and that would be the purpose of this text amendment. Thank you. Um, is there any public comment on this? I see no one in the chambers here. Anything online? Anybody? Seeing none, I'll bring it back to the commission for discussion. So any discussion about this particular item? Commissioner Carpenter. Okay, <laughs> that's egg on all our faces. Um, but <laughs> this is the step between <laughs> what we did and somebody being able to sum, submit their first request to make use of those. So unless anybody else has any comments, this is just clean up. And I know who should second this motion. I'm gonna make a move that we initiate a text amendment to revise the zoning and land use regulations for the unincorporated territory of Douglas County, Kansas, to add the newly created solar energy conversion system, CSECS commercial utility scale solar energy conversion system and LSECS limited scale solar energy conversion system to section 12-304, the permitted use tables. Thank you, any seconds on that? Go ahead, pal. I'll second. <laughs> Commissioner Sinclair seconds. Any discussion? 
Is there is there use in recalling the ad hoc committee, making you guys work more to figure out <laughs> no. exactly what, what yeah, the voices these need to have? No, <laughs> no, that is not possible. Just so can we have as a point of order? Uh, it would be the chair's prerogative. In the <laughs> yes, <laughs> not my not my power. Call the roll quick. <laughs> Commissioner Ashworth. Yes. Commissioner Baroto. Yes. Commissioner Carpenter. Yes. Commissioner Carter? Yes. Commissioner Payton? Yes. Commissioner Rexroad? Yes. Commissioner Sinclair? Yes. Commissioner Thomas? Yes. Motion passes eight to zero. Okay. Uh, moving on, number two, uh, we need to appoint a county appointee planning commissioner to Lawrence Douglas County Metropolitan Planning Organization Policy Board. And uh, Commissioner Thomas has kindly agreed um, to serve in that capacity. Yay. Uh, is that uh, that's nothing that we I just do that right I just appoint that is there a vote on that I, usually we yeah. vote on that one okay I was <laughs> too much power all right I was so can I have a, we'll just do a roll call then there's no motions or seconds or anything like that or is there with that kind of appointment uh, you can motion to a second okay. and go to normal voting right. in the instance Thank you. So a motion to approve Commissioner Thomas as a representative on the Metropolitan Planning Organization. Second. Thank you, Commissioner. You just made that. <laughs> Discussion? Did we have the vote. Okay. Commissioner Thank Ashworth? You. Yes. Commissioner Barota? Yes. Commissioner Carpenter? Yes. Commissioner Carter? Yes. Commissioner Payton? Yes. Commissioner Rexroad? Yes. Commissioner Sinclair? Yes. Commissioner Thomas? Yes. Motion passes eight to zero. Thank you. And thank you, Commissioner Thomas, for that. Okay. Yes. Just to be clear, is Claire. Commissioner Carter the the city appointee on yes. that? Okay. Yes, Carter's I am. Um, now we have one more appointment to make is for Transportation 2050 Steering Committee, um, and that also has to be a county appointee. Now we only have one county uh, appointee, but we have not um, had time, uh, one other county appointee. So we could, um, if Commissioner Payton wanted to serve on that steering committee, or we could move this item to next month um, in hopes that we have more county appointees on the commission. <laughs> I am not interested in serving on that steering committee. I'm taking things off my plate. Okay, thank you. So we'll just move that item for next month. And um, that will not gum up the works, I understand, of the Transportation 2050 Steering Committee. So we will hopefully have um, some new commissioners on board. And uh, if I may, I, I also um, uh, represent the Planning Commission on that on that. Uh, body and so I can assure you if anything of particular interest to the planning commission comes up I'm very happy to bring that to the commission thank you commissioner Carter <laughs> do we need to do anything official about moving it to next month no that'd be just fine we'll just mark it as deferred we'll bring it back at the next meeting okay so any other business 
Just one item from staff. Uh, with the recent changes in the commission and the turnover on that one, uh, we are going to be running very tight for quorum for the next few, at least the next meeting, maybe the next few meetings. Uh, so we'll be sending out a quorum call probably for the next three months in advance so we can get an understanding of what we're looking at as, as part of that. So if you could please respond to Danny on that quorum call just so we can get an understanding of when you will be here and not here so we can understand how that affects the core. And we'd really appreciate that just in the, in the interim period on that point. Thank you. We will, we will, we will do that. We will um, answer Denny's call when she emails us. So I might also add to you that um, the, our quorum number doesn't change. So even though we may be down commissioners, we still need to meet six to meet more, have six in attendance to meet quorum. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So any other business? If not, can I have a move? Can I have a motion to adjourn? So moved. So moved. Second. 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 <laughs> can, we, can we have a vote on that, please? Commissioner Ashworth. Yes. Commissioner Barota. Yes. Commissioner Carpenter. Yes. Commissioner Carter. Yes. Commissioner Payton. Yes. Commissioner Rexroad. Yes. Commissioner Sinclair. Yes. Commissioner Thomas. Yes. Motion passes eight to zero. Thank you all very much. And thank you Take again. Take care. Sinclair. <laughs> Take care, Luke. We miss you. Thank you. <laughs> miss you too. Gary, I'm going to bring you to see from Amy.